On today's episode, Alec Baldwin and all the charges against him have been dropped. The former Marvel executive, Victoria Alonso, they've settled her dismissal from Disney. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Also, there are rumors going around that John Boyega may actually come back to Star Wars to be in the new Star Wars movie that's going to feature Ray. Do we believe it? We're going to run down all the things that we're looking forward to seeing at CinemaCon next week. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campion Show starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campy, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good things, giving you guys not just our opinions, but also information and context so you can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Joining me here today, sitting over here, is Ray Ora. Game days. Come on. <laughs> Look, what? tonight, tonight we got it. What he asked no, 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 I'm just saying, I'm just Ray, saying. Ray was okay. like, before the movie okay, show started, no, no, John, no, no, no. I got something I, I got to say before say, things start. Tonight we got a new episode of Jury Duty, and uh, tomorrow we got. Is it the got, final? Yeah, no, no, the second to the last episode. And tomorrow, we got the biggest fight in boxing happening. Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia. I already pre-ordered the pay-per-view. Only pay-per-view I'm ordering this this whole year. So I got that to look forward to. And then we got CinemaCon. We're headed out to CinemaCon. So game days for me. Multiple game days. Yep. I, is it bad that I've ever heard of either one of those boxers? Oh, man, this is this is This, this is, is the, the fight? fight. Yeah. This is the one? All right. Sitting back there, of course, is Jen. Jonathan is running the show today. The delightful Chris Carr with her Mario prepped outfit today ready to go. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here, guys. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it into two parts. The first part of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Second part of the show, we're going to take your questions that you guys have been sending into our tip link. If you have a question you'd like to send in the tip link, go ahead and go to that tip link right there at streamelements.com slash John Campia slash tip. Send it on in. And if your comment or question is appropriate to be used on our show, we will read it off in the show. We'll get to those just a little bit later. Also want to remind you guys, Made this announcement tomorrow. Uh, the links are in the description, yeah. right? Um, you guys will remember that a little bit ago, me, Greg Alba, The Real Rejects, of course, Christian Harloff, we did a, a live event where we got together and talked about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We are doing it again Sunday, May 7th at the Burbank Flappers Comedy Club. Tickets are on sale now. Actually, we put them on sale yesterday. 25% of the tickets are gone already after one day. So if you go into the description of the video, you'll find two different sets of tickets. One is the live and in-person ticket. If you guys live in the LA area or would like to travel into LA, you can buy those tickets and come and join us in person at Flappers. Or if you live somewhere where you're not accessible to get into Burbank for that night, we are going to be doing it as a live global streaming pay-per-view. And there are links to tickets to that as well down in the description. Go and find those there. Also, you'll find a link down there. This one's down there too, right? Yep. You'll find a link down there for our sponsorship program. Here at the John Campy Show, we are going to select a smaller YouTube channel that we will sponsor. Uh, that sponsorship includes uh, $1,000 a month sponsorship for two months, as well as online consulting with myself and Robert Meyer Burnett. And we're going to help coach you so you can have a better, more fun, more fulfilling experience doing your YouTube channel. If you're interested in that sponsorship, there's a link to the application form down in the description. A little bit of housekeeping too, guys. If you need your daily fix of the John Campion Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, 
Good news, there is an audio-only version of the show simply called the John Campy Show Podcast. Just go and subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. All right, guys, with that all down, let's get into things here. We're going to start off with this. It at least looks like the Alec Baldwin shooting situation on the film that they were making, Rust, in which a cinematographer tragically lost her life. Uh, has now been brought to something of a conclusion, at least as far as Alec Baldwin goes. Uh, As of yesterday, all charges against Alec Baldwin have been dropped. Now, it's important to note there are still one or two other people involved in this case where the charges have not been dropped, and maybe appropriately so, uh, but the charges against Alec Baldwin as of this moment have now been dropped. Now, this has been not only an incredibly tragic situation where somebody lost their life, but it also then became a little bit of a circus. And it started with um, charges being brought against Alec Baldwin. And now, look, we're just going to call it what it is. Uh, People in this country, left and right, will do stupid, stunty things. Everybody does. In this particular situation, there was it came to light that a, a Republican member of the state Senate, specifically requ- who was a prosecutor, specifically requested to be the prosecutor on the Alec Baldwin case. Of course, Alec Baldwin's been famous of the last few years for impersonating Donald Trump on Saturday Night Live and stuff like that. And it was inappropriate for a sitting member of the state Senate to personally to then interfere in the legislature. Not illegal, but considered highly unethical. To do it. And it they were completely incompetent as well, because one of the first things they did was they charged Alec Baldwin with a crime to a law that did not exist when the incident happened. Any law clerk could tell you, you can't do that. And they eventually, oh, they were like, oh, that's right. So they had to drop that charge. And pretty much most of the legal field said that there really isn't a case here. Like all the analysts that we read, the legal analysis that I read was that there's really not much of a case. The reality is, and and here's what sucks. There is a set of procedures on a movie set. From what all the reports that we read, the procedures were followed. They were followed. Alec Baldwin, who is not a weapons expert, had a weapons expert clear the gun as being cold which means it is not dangerous it's not loaded it's a completely safe prop that was then handed to the assistant director which looked it over but the assistant director is not a weapons expert in and of themselves anyway but still so the armorer verified the gun is safe handed it to the assistant director then handed it to the actor and the actor believing that he had nothing in his hands other than a prop was actually a loaded deadly weapon and it ended up killing somebody. Now, I, I, I've i often compared this to, and some people say it's not the same thing, and I'm sorry, it is the same thing. If somebody handed you an apple to eat and you did not know there was a razor in the apple and the pressure of you taking a bite spit the razor out and it sliced the person's throat across the room for you, that's not your fault. And this is going to be something that Alec Baldwin is going to have to get therapy for for the rest of his life because accident or not, you know, I still remember I I watched this footage of this baseball player once who hit a foul ball totally innocently. The foul ball hit a kid 
and the player was inconsolable. Like the player just like collapsed. Can, can you imagine you're just doing your thing? I, I was joking be, be before the show, sir. I said, right, Ray, imagine if you turned on your computer, but that inadvertently caused some kind of an electric shock that traveled through the desk and electrocuted Chris. Like you clearly, it wasn't your fault. Yeah. Why? I'm sorry. I would hit Jonathan first. Hey, Look, well, passes, I'm grounded. Jonathan was at the bathroom. See, I made sure I was grounded. So I'm not. With this. It's my biggest acting note I ever get. Grounded. <laughs> grounded. Uh, but I mean, even though it really wasn't your doing, it was. but you would never get over that. You would never get over that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You would be heartbroken. Don't <laughs> You bring me sweet gifts. You would be so inconsolable if you murdered me. He would be. He would feel terrible. Yeah. So I, I mean, Jonathan wouldn't. Maybe. It's just been an awful situation from start <laughs> to finish, and <laughs> it's it's good. Now it should also be pointed out that the prosecutors, the ones who are left, because they had to appoint new prosecutors. The prosecutors in the case said, now, hey, listen, we do reserve the right that we can refile the charges later if, if we come across new evidence or we discover new things. We reserve the right to refile the charges, which is totally appropriate. That's totally appropriate for them to say. Now, I heard some people online already saying, well, you can't do that. If you're dropping these charges, you can't charge a person a second time. Uh, that's not true. That's not double jeopardy. Double jeopardy is you can't be, be uh, taken to court for it twice. Like, this never went to court. Don't forget about that. Like, he was, there were charges filed. They dropped the charges. never went to court. Now, if it went to court and he was found innocent, they couldn't charge him again later. So this is a totally different situation. So, yes, the prosecutors can refile the charges later on if they feel they come across new evidence that maybe suggests Alec Baldwin did have something to do with it. So that's important to keep in mind. Anyway, Chris, I, I feel like one of the big unfortunate things about this whole circus has been... We've lost sight of, the, sight of the fact that a young woman lost her life doing what she loved doing. Like she was on a set making movies and just doing her job. She ended up getting shot and died. And hopefully through the remainder of this case, when the other people get charged and whatnot, we'll find out what went wrong, what happened here. But you saw that they dropped the charges against Alec Baldwin. And now they're saying they're going to go back and keep making the movie. What do you think about this whole situation? That's the part that I find very interesting because I, I just can't imagine going back onto that set, frankly. She was such an integral part of this film. You know, the the entire cast and crew talked about how important like it was to everything on this. Um, you know, she was a wife. She was a mother. She was an incredible, incredible cinematographer who was really, really just starting to cut her teeth and everything. So it's it's interesting to me that they are going to go through on this film. I know for the people involved, including her husband, um, it's been said because this was such a passion project for her that they feel right. like they're honoring her memory. But gosh, that's going to be a tough tough time on set. Um, I do think too, I, I'm hoping, cause we've seen this happen time and time again, right? Of incidents on set leading to somebody's death when it comes to weapons. And the onus definitely is on the armorer here. I know a lot of people, we've had this discussion before about like a gun feels different when it's loaded and all this or that. Prop guns, all these other things, it really is the responsibility of the armorer to be working with the actor about setting up that cold firearm, right? And the big thing here is, why are we even doing this, right? Why are we using blanks that when fire off, even under the best of circumstances, could still damage somebody or hurt somebody? So there's more and more talk about just kind of doing CGI, um, little gun explosions and stuff Wasn't like that. Wasn't it um, Nathan Fillion's show, The Rookie? Mm -hmm. where the, yeah, after yeah, this happened- They the, immediately made that Yeah, change. they made the transition saying, no more. We are never using blanks yeah. again. Yeah, and, and that's gone fine. That has gone absolutely fine. And I think that's one of the things that needs to happen is you just make that sort of change. When you're con 
presented with data of, hey, this is something that could happen very easily with, you know, just a misstep. Why would you keep doing the same thing? So change up how you're doing things on set. That's what I'm hoping comes from all of this. And I just keep thinking about, too, you know, this family who's been affected. Alec Baldwin, his family, too. I mean, everyone involved just must be so inconsolable. And my heart just really goes out to him because what a what a horrific situation to be in. Uh, the one question that I really hope gets answered. How? Did a that, live round of ammunition what? even be on the set at exactly. all? Exactly. That's it the makes, real How does that happen? It makes no sense that this happened. It should not have happened. And it speaks to the inexperience of the armor. It speaks to just some absolute, I mean, negligence that this happened. That is absolutely inappropriate that a live round came anywhere near a set. And that is what I am so, so flustered by and bothered by because this this sort of thing should never, ever happen. There's absolutely no excuse. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this whole situation? The prosecutors have decided that there is no case to be made against Alec Baldwin. They've dropped the charges. At least for now, they do reserve the right to refile if they come across new information. Uh, there are still one or two other defendants that are being charged, though, with this. There's a lot of information we don't know. What do you think about the fact that they're going back to remake Russ? Like Chris pointed out, I mean, uh, the widower, like her husband, has said, no, this was a passion project of hers. This movie should go on. But how do you go back to work after that, I, I don't know. Whatever you guys are thinking about this tragedy, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, the other week, I was stunned, agog and aghast, when they announced at Star Wars Celebration that they're going to be making new Star Wars movie with Rey. Being portrayed, of course, by Daisy Ridley. Daisy Ridley, who I think is a terrific actress. Mm -hmm. um, but I have never believed for a moment that they would go back and make more movies with that character because her character and a few others kind of represent a very, very divisive time in the world of Star Wars fandom. And to go back to that, I thought it was, listen, I never would have thought, I would have bet a hundred bucks that they wouldn't do it. And they did. So I, I, I was caught shocked by that whole thing. Well, now there's reports going around that John Boyega may actually be in talks to come back for this Ray movie. Now, from a narrative script point of view, this would not be the biggest stretch. I mean, clearly, uh, right from the first The Force Awakens movie, John Boyega's character and Daisy Ridley's character have a connection, right? They hinted it may go romantic. They never really did. They hinted it could be a force connection sort of thing. They never really went anywhere with that. Well, at least not too much. But still, if any character is going to come back, it would make sense that it would be that one. Now, while I believe that the reports out there, out there are coming from sources, that they have sources telling them that, I do not believe the sources at all. I don't believe the story at all. Now, as I say that, Keep in mind that I would not have believed at all that they were going to do another Star Wars movie with Rey, <laughs> right? I never would have believed that either. And yet here we are. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, I, I just don't believe this is this would ever happen for two reasons uh, that really come down to the one thing. Burned bridges, mm -hmm. man. I mean, John Boyega did not enjoy his experience making Star Wars and did not 
decide to be subtle about it and really burn bridges on his way out. In a recent interview with Variety, or at least in a recent article in Variety, this just goes back just a few weeks ago, actually. Uh, John Boyega has already aired his grievances about Disney's fumbling of diversity in his Star Wars trilogy. By the way, Disney cannot win when it comes to Star Wars. They've got a bunch of people yelling, you're so woke. Don't put in black people or, or women or gay people. And they're saying they're nothing but woke. And then they got people on the other side of them screaming at them that they're not doing enough when it comes to diversity. They're, they're kind of in, a, in the crossfire here. At any rate, John Boyega has already aired his grievances about Disney fumbling diversity in his Star Wars trilogy, notably telling GQ magazine back in 2020, what I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character, market them to be much more important in the franchise, uh, than they than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. It's not good. I'll say it, or I'll I'll say it straight up. You guys knew uh, what to do with Daisy Ridley. You knew what to do with Adam Driver. By the way, I remember when John Boyega said that. I don't know what movies John Boyega was watching because they clearly didn't have the fucking clue what they were doing with Daisy Ridley or with Adam Driver. They had no idea what to do with either of those characters. If you watched The Rise of Skywalker, at any rate. Uh, you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley. You knew what to do with Adam uh, Driver. Boyega continued uh, at the time. But when it came to Kelly Marie Tran, when it came to John Boyega, you know, fuck all. So what do you want me to say? What they 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 want you to say is, I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience. Nah, nah, nah. I'll take that deal when it's a great experience. Uh, they gave all the nuance to Adam Driver. There was no nuance to that character. Uh, all the I think John Boyega is giving them way too much credit. <laughs> uh, all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Nah. Uh, let's be honest. Daisy knows this. Uh, Adam knows this. Everybody knows this. I'm not exposing anything. Now, you might be wanting to say then, yeah, but that was back in 2020. But this is a recent interview where he said this. Boyega isn't interested in revisiting the topic. Telling Total Film Magazine in a new interview, I said what I said on it, and it doesn't change overnight. We handled that years ago. There's no point in recycling the same story that's been two years. That's been for two years. I, I mean, so basically, Boyega decided to give the middle finger and recently said, I don't take it back. I mean, that's basically it. Because I haven't changed my thought process on this at all or in any way, shape, or form. Now, again, what I would say to Boyega, who is a terrific actor. Uh, what I would say to Bayega is, listen, man, if you watch those, look, I've said this all along. The big undoing of, of the Star Wars sequels was I, I thought it started strong. I thought the Star Wars sequels started, or prequels, like, yeah, sequels, sequels, they started strong. I thought The Force Awakens was wonderful. I love that movie. But how we ended up at the dumpster fire of The Rise of Skywalker, all due respect to people who like that movie. If you like it, that's great. I'm not trying to undermine how you felt about it. I'm just telling you how I felt about it. How we end up at the dumpster fire of The Last Jedi was the fact, or The Rise of Skywalker, was the fact that there was no plan. There was no plan. They winged it until they burned. And that's why when Boyega says, well, they clearly had nuance and they knew what they were doing with this character and this character. And I'm like, what, what movies were you watching? Please, please point them to me because I'd love to watch those movies you're referring to. I didn't see those movies myself. I saw a movie where they didn't know what to do with Poe. They didn't know what to do with Finn. They didn't know what to do with Daisy. So much so at the end of, I, 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 she's Palpatine's granddaughter. Eh. How the hell does that make sense? Well, I, 
midichlorians. Just somehow. Somehow. I mean, he's really good. This is JJ. He's really good at the mystery box thing. But then once you Until open, you gotta open it. Once you open it, it's like, oh. The same thing happened with Lost, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like Lost, the whole movie, the whole series, I should say, was a fabulous mystery box. And then once they opened the mystery box, it's like, really? Yeah. That that's what that's what we were here for? See, this is why Quentin always kept it a mystery of what was in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Because mm. you would have just been like, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's like, that's not such a big deal. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, Chris, listen, we, we heard what Boyega said two years ago. We've heard what he's saying now. Mm -hmm. Could you see either Disney wanting him to come back or Boyega having any interest in coming back here? Could these reports actually be something? What do you think? I mean, from a narrative standpoint, if we are going to have a Ray-focused film, I can understand why they want Finn back in the mix, right? They were in these films together. They were buddies. Like, that makes sense to want to have him there. However, you know, he got burnt. And he was a huge Star Wars fan, a massive fan who loved the Star Wars franchise so, so much. And I think uh, his treatment, his reception, et cetera, just, you know, made him not enjoy all of this at all. He said in an interview on Sirius XM 2 on uh, Tell Me Everything with uh, John Fugelsang, is that who it is? Yeah, John Fugelsang, uh, that what he plans to do for himself now is focus on versatility. That is the key to him moving forward in his acting. Because um, he talked about like, yeah, been there, done that. I'm, I'm over it and I'm off with it and I don't need it again. I want to be like some of my, you know, mentors. I want to be like Viola Davis. And I want to really focus on for like diversifying my portfolio. Essentially, I want to add versatility to this. I don't want to keep doing the same things. So I feel like he's really working on that. We've seen him doing these more kind of prestige level films too, showing that he is going to be an actor, in my opinion, that is on an academy level. I think he is so, so talented. All of that being said, you give a Star Wars fan a buttload of money and finally follow through on that promise that he is force sensitive and let Finn have some time being a proper Jedi. I think that could sway the argument of him joining again. So they're going to have to really, really entice him with an incredible script for him to have a, a changing of tune here. But I don't think that's going to happen. You know what's really unfortunate about how great Viola Davis was in The Woman King? Nobody talks about John Boy again. No. Like you, like I... You would almost be forgiven if you didn't even know John Boyega was that. He was great in he that. He's phenomenal. He's so in it, good in that. But it, it's like anyone acting against Viola Davis. You're just so enamored with everything she's doing that it's just like, yeah, and everything else was great. Because you're so focused on yeah, it. As good as like Matt Damon was in Air. Any of the scenes where he's with Michael Jordan's mom, who's played by Viola. You're just yeah. looking at her. You're not looking at him. She's incredible. <laughs> but you know what else that reminds me of? We've talked about this before. It reminds me of like, like John Boyega. And I'm not saying that the woman king and the performances in it were necessarily on the same level as there will be blood. But one of the big unfortunate things about there will be blood is you had Paul Dano. Oh yeah. Who gave a legendary performance in that movie. He's but going nobody, toe to toe with Daniel Day Lewis. But nobody talks about Paul Dano yeah. in that because Daniel Day Lewis gave what I think is the greatest actor performance in any movie ever. Yeah. So nobody talks about him. And now I'm not, I'm not saying it's an apple to apple comparison, but it's like everybody talked about Viola Davis and rightfully so. But like Lashana Lynch was fantastic in that movie. John Boyega was fantastic in that movie. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? There are reports going around that John Boyega may come back for the new Star Wars film. Listen, damn stranger things have happened. We live in a world where Jamie Foxx came back to play Electro again. So anything can happen. 
But I don't know. I just have a hard time buying it. What do you guys think about it? Do you think it could actually happen? Why would you like to see it? Why not? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, the world of really the whole Hollywood industry, not just Marvel comic book movie fans, the whole industry got shook when seemingly out of nowhere, longtime senior Marvel executive Victoria Alonso was fired from Marvel. And at first, we didn't know why. Now, Victoria Alonso had been there since the beginning of this too. She is basically one of Kevin Feige's right-hand men. And as a matter of fact, when people would talk about succession, not the show, when people would talk about the possibility of succession at Marvel Studios for when Kevin Feige eventually decides to move on to something else, Victoria Alonso's name was always in that conversation as one of the possible successors to run it. Now, of course, she really didn't have, in, in her role as the senior you know, vice president of, uh, what was it? Physical production, visual effects, and animation. She really didn't have any sort of say in the story of the movie. She, that wasn't her role. She did not have say into the story of the movies. She didn't have say into the marketing of the movies. She had nothing to do with that. But when she was fired, a lot of people online started coming up with the reasons. They're saying, oh, because uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp didn't do well and the movies haven't been good. And it's like, well, no, that can't be it because she has nothing to do with that. Well, she's a vice president there. Yeah, but just because you're a vice president of the company doesn't mean like you have a specific area of responsibility. And she was not a part of the story group. She was not a part of any of that. That was not her job. Then a lot of people thought, well, because of all the drama with visual effects lately, I'm like, mm, yeah, that's possible. But I've never seen a corporation fire somebody for getting the job done and keeping their budgets as low as they can. Not to mention the height of the controversy surrounding the visual effects artists, which is still something we should be talking about today, yep. was really at its peak like six months ago. Well, they would have, if they were going to fire her over that, which I can't see why they would, but if they were going to fire her over that, they would have fired her six months ago. Well, then we found out what happened. The Academy Award-nominated film, Argentina 85. Uh, Victoria Alonso was a producer of it, which violated her contract. She went on to promote the movie, which again was a violation of her contract. And then what I think the real tipping point was, was that when a Disney film, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, was nominated for one or two Academy Awards... She showed up to the awards on behalf of Argentina 85, which I believe was nominated for foreign film. I, I think that was category. I could be wrong about that. And she showed up there on the red carpet for that. And apparently Disney said, look, she was warned repeatedly. You are the senior vice president here. You cannot be working on other studio stuff. And so they said that was grounds for, for firing her. She violated her contract. Simple, that just that simple. Now, there is a narrative online that is completely wrong that I need to drop because I still see people saying this. Well, she should sue Disney because you can't have a non-compete in your contract. That's illegal. No, 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 no. You are completely misunderstanding that. What a non-compete is, a non-compete is, and uh, let's say they tried to put one in for me when I worked at Collider. And I told them they could rightfully go fuck themselves. 
They try to put it. What a non-compete generally says is, okay, you're working for us. Now, if you leave us, once you're no longer working for us, now this used to be common in a lot of contracts, you cannot go to work for one of our competitors for at least two years. Or you can't go to work for one of our competitors for six months or, or whatever, right? That, at least in California, I believe, mm-hmm. that's illegal. You, I don't know if that was a recent thing that they made sure they codified to make sure you can't do that. That's not compete. But as long as you're working at that company and as long as you are working there and you are a full-time person there, damn right you're not allowed to go and work for somebody else at the same time because that is what they call a conflict of interest. And if you are like one of the head people of Marvel Studios, you can't be going off and making and promoting other studios' content Number one, because you're promoting the competition. But number two, um, yeah, all that time you're doing that, you could be focusing on our production problems and on our visual effects problems and all that kind of stuff. So they fired her. Now, Victoria Alonso's lawyer came out and made a bunch of noise saying, oh, she's being shut down for this, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to sue them. We're going to sue them. We're going to sue them. Now, according to a story now in IndieWire, that <coughs> has now been settled. <laughs> However... Unlike the settlement that just happened in like the Dominion and Fox News case, where Dominion came out and said, we spanked them. We got three quarters of a billion dollars and Fox had to come out and admit, yeah, we, we said things that were untrue and uh, blah, 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 blah. Instead of that being the case here, um, there was no comment. It says here in the IndieWire thing, terms of the settlement were not disclosed. Disney and Alonzo's lawyer, Patricia Glazer, did not respond to a request for comment. Basically, let me tell you, as as somebody who's worked in law, let me tell you exactly what happened here. She knew she had no grounds to stand on. She she clearly was in violation of contract. Now, look, I am not exactly the biggest fan of the company Disney right now. That's that's not a big secret to people. But in in this scenario, I think it became very it was absolutely clear. She had no leg to stand on. She violated her contract. And to make this quick and expedient, they just decide, look, let's settle this. Here's your, here's basically your departure package. Go, be well, be with God, and, and we're going to move on now. And now this thing is closed and nobody said a peep about it. Anyway, Chris, it looks like this now, Victoria Alonso thing. And it's really unfortunate whenever you see somebody who's been with the company from the yeah. beginning as it was a struggling thing, trying to make things work, all this kind of stuff. Now it made sense when Kevin, we read in the initial report that Kevin Feige they said Kevin Feige could not get involved. I was like, well, why couldn't he get involved? Well, now that we know it was a contract violation, now we understand. Anyway, you read about this. What's your take on it? Well, first of all, Disney's contracts are intense. Intense. Yeah. This is why, folks, read your contracts three times over. Read them over with a lawyer, no matter how big or how small. Because when I worked for Disney, I was learning that I was signing over my intellectual property at the time. And if your I, likeness. And my There's likeness. There's a bunch of Chris's out there There's now. so many. <laughs> We're basically like clone troopers. Yeah. We're everywhere. We're in these streets. So when you work for them, if you have ideas that you share with the company that are yours, that maybe you didn't give to the company, they're still theirs in these contracts. It's wild. That's why right? I never speak around John. You just you keep them. Um, <laughs> you keep those ideas close to the vest and then you move on. That's mine right? now. <laughs> so read those contracts, right? That's one of those things where obviously she violated this, these terms. However, what I find very interesting here is, you know, that that compensation package you mentioned, right? Now, Deadline has said that it is reported, but we don't have details, that this was supposedly a multi-million dollar fa- 
uh, financial compensation. Multi-million dollar. Now I know she's a high tier executive, but typically when somebody's in the wrong, do we give them multi-millions of dollars? Now with executives, that seems to be the case a lot of times, even when they are very, very wrong. But I am intrigued to see what goes on after all of the dust is settled here because Alonzo's lawyer keeps saying, she will be revealing her side of the story in one way or another at some point. Now, obviously, this is probably going to be riddled with, you know, her own personal opinions and everything. However, I'm really looking forward to learning more about this because that number really, really raises my eyebrows. Well, I, you do have to keep something in mind, though. Mm -hmm. For you or me, the phrase multi-million dollar would mean a significant amount. It's all the ladies to, with their briefcases of money. Yes. Yeah. For for Victoria Alonso, as only second tier to mm -hmm. Kevin Feige at Marvel Studios, that probably represents her annual salary. It's a lifestyle compensation. So That's what you're accurate. probably looking at is the same thing. Remember Bob Chapek, when they removed Bob Chapek, right? He mm -hmm. got three years. They yeah. gave him three years of salary. Because, you know, he had a contract and they said, no problem. We will pay you out your, your th remaining three years. And now we're separating. But JPEG didn't breach anything. No, exactly. He was which, given a golden parachute. Which is why it's even, I think, to me, less remarkable that they would say to her, look, uh, you still had a contract with us for X amount of time. Disney and most big corporations like this are all about expediency, efficiency, and keeping things out of the news. So just say, look, we're going to give you two and a half years of salary and we're done and move on. I, so I don't really know. See, I, if it was, if it was you or me, again, a multi-million dollar settlement, that would represent something I'd be like, huge. where'd we get that money? Yeah. For somebody like <laughs> her, mobile, what? for somebody like her, where it represents probably one year of salary. I'm not, I'm not sure it's that big of a deal, but like you said, the lawyer keeps saying there's more, there's more, there's yeah, more. And, and maybe that's why I'm really we'll intrigued, which I'm sure that's just a, Further their cause. Uh, contracts aside, can we like have like a little understanding for what what happened? I mean, she's Argentinian or or whatever, and like her, a film from her country got nominated for the Oscars. I mean, do we? No, but it's a film that she produced. I, yeah, but I'm just saying, like on her side of things, like like she's been giving her blood and guts to Marvel for like since Iron Man. I mean, one time her country gets a foreign film nominated for her to represent that film. I can understand her like uh, her feelings about that. Like if I were working for Marvel, you, contracts aside, right? Um, it's not like she did it in malice or whatever. Like to, not at all. You know, yeah, yeah, she's yeah, just yeah. proud of her country. Her country, uh, a movie from her country got nominated for best foreign film. So I, I mean- I, No, I could totally see, I 100% can see why she would want to do it. Especially, listen, she's been in that job for a long time. Since Iron Man. The ability to stretch her wings a little bit and get it, I could totally see the appeal for her. But, but yeah, the contract. You you have an agreement where you get paid millions of dollars a year, and your employer said to you repeatedly, Oh, you can't do this, you can't yeah. do this, and she kept doing it. So they said, part. You gotta stop doing <laughs> it. You gotta stop doing it. They Disney said we, they warned her repeatedly. Uh, yeah, okay. And, and she, she just kept doing it anyway because she thought, I'm untouchable. And oh, she like didn't, that Gina Carano thing. She didn't, <laughs> he didn't just go and represent, which I think would have been fine. I think they would have just been like, whatever. Oh, yeah, She's got sorry, I didn't. Let her represent. That's right. awesome. But she was putting work in producing it, mm. like at the same time. But like, make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. 
she ain't going to be unemployed long. No. She is not no. going to be unemployed long. Some, but one, a studio is going to snatch her up. She's going to say like, you know what? I'm going to take a six month break, whatever, because she's got the money. Mm -hmm. And then one of the big studio, I, I guarantee you right now, all the studios are, are already sending her emails saying, hey, let us know when you want to get back to work. She, she's going to be employed gonna pretty just quick. like, well, hey there. She's going to walk out <laughs> at the Warner Brothers presentation this weekend. Or this week. Introducing next week. Max Max. The new <laughs> Warner Brothers, DC. Yep. Head of physical <laughs> production. Yeah, no. But I, I think I honestly think she's gonna take six months to a year, just chill the F out. And then I think she's gonna have I think she's gonna have her pick. Much like when James Gunn went on the free agent market after Disney yeah. dropped him, there she's gonna have suitors lining up at her door, I think, to to get her to come and work there. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about all this? Apparently now the Victoria Alonso situation is apparently now wrapped up and done with neither side really talking about it. Whatever you guys think about it, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Now, we're going to move on here in just a second to talk about uh, not just the upcoming CinemaCon, but what we are expecting from all of the major studios presentations we have coming up, Warner Brothers presentation, Paramount's, Disney's, Sony Pictures, Universal Studios. We're going to talk about all that, the things we're expecting coming out of CinemaCon. But before we do, we want to take a quick second here and thank a couple of the sponsors of today's episode of The John Cambus Show, our friends at ExpressVPN and Masterclass. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, ExpressVPN. Guys, it is 2023 and online privacy and security has never been more important. You see, every device, phones, computers, tablets has a unique IP address, which is like an internet phone number and reveals personal information about you. It's super simple for somebody online who knows what they're doing to find your IP address. If you've ever clicked on a sketchy link or opened an email from somebody you don't know, your IP address could become exposed. Now that's where ExpressVPN has your back. ExpressVPN is an app that hides your real IP address and replaces it with a dummy one, keeping you safe and private. And you don't have to be some kind of techie to use a VPN. Guys, it is so easy to use. Just download the ExpressVPN app on your phone or computer, tap one button to turn it on, and you're protected. And if you like your streaming entertainment, here's the coolest part. They let you choose what country you want your IP address to look like it's coming from. This is incredibly useful because services like Netflix and Disney Plus give you different shows depending on what country you're in. So secure your family's online activity and unlock tons of new shows by visiting expressvpn.com slash campia. Use my link and you can get three extra months free. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash campia. Go to expressvpn.com slash campia to learn more. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn filmmaking from James Cameron himself, you know, the guy who made three of the four biggest films of all time. Improve your writing by taking screenwriting from one of the greatest who's ever done it, Aaron Sorkin. Or maybe learn how to make great comedic content by taking comedy by the one and the only Judd Apatow. And many of you guys know I'm a big poker guy, and I recently got a chance to sit 
sit down and watch Daniel Negreanu, one of the greatest poker players in the world, teach poker. It was absolutely fantastic. But guys, whatever you're interested in, there is a class for you with over 180 exclusive classes taught by the instructors you know and love. And you can explore lessons in any order you'd like across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, computer, and on the go with audio mode. Individual lessons range from about 10 to 15 minutes in length that fit easily into your everyday life. Guys, I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class and as a John Campia Show listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash Campia now. That's masterclass.com slash Campia for 15% off Masterclass. And thank you to our friends at ExpressVPN and Masterclass for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, that down. Let's spend the rest of our time here talking about what I think, other than the Oscars, is the most important event in on the movie and the industry calendar, which is CinemaCon. Uh, this thing is always absolutely remarkable. This year, myself, Chris, my wife, Anne, is coming for the first time. Ray, Rob, uh, we're going to be heading down there, and we're going to be doing live streaming videos every single day. Um, actually, it's funny because last year, like, those videos that we did every day were the like the highest viewed videos that we did all year. Yeah, because Ray and I were out of it. Oh my god, you guys are so drunk. That's um. That's, it was the first time I've seen Ray that drunk. I, I've never seen I, first time I felt that drunk. <laughs> we're doing videos. Yeah. The, the neighbors, the neighbors came up to me and they were like, because they never watched, but like they're like, hey, we caught your one of your uh, streams at CinemaCon and we were laughing the whole time. We thought you were sleeping, and I was like. <laughs> I kind of was <laughs> so drunk. <laughs> I was just right in front of like this. So what is coming up here is that like every one of the, the studios will be doing anything from between an hour and a half to two and a half hours of a presentation where they're going to be showing us footage, doing presentations, uh, giving us inside looks at not just movies coming out in the next few weeks, but like movies coming out between now and April of next year. I mean, it was there that we got to saw, I mean, Aaron and I saw like the first 20 minutes of Top Gun Maverick a year and a bit before it ever came out in theaters. Uh, we got to see the black phone before it ever came out. They showed us Ghostbusters uh, before like Ghostbusters Afterlife, like four months before the movie came out. They, they're doing all this stuff. And anything could happen because we also got that Olivia Wilde thing that happened. Oh, my God. That, that We were sitting right there. We like, were like, what the heck? 18 rows from Olivia Wilde, and she's doing her presentation, and, like, somebody just comes walking up, and Olivia Wilde is confused, and we're like, okay, is this some kind of a bit? And they hide her, and Olivia Wilde opens the envelope, and I thought she was going to go, and so now we're going to – I just found out we can show you the feature no. world premiere of Don't Worry <laughs> Darling, right? But nope, she just looked flustered, and it wasn't yeah. until after it was done we realized that she just got served papers. None of my friends gave a shit about me being at CinemaCon until that moment. And then we Aaron were there and I in the were room. just like fielding FaceTime calls oh of people being like, gosh. what happened? <laughs> so – what we're going to do You're now for it. you guys is to kind of give you a, an inside look. We're going to run through the CinemaCon schedule, and we're going to talk about the things kind of previewing what we think each one of these studios is going to be highlighting and presenting, and what we think we're going to walk out of CinemaCon with, and what we're going to see and experience. So let's go over to my screen here for a second. This is basically, in, in a sense, just kind of the boring schedule. Let's see if I can make this a little bit bigger. Just the schedule, right? 
So the very first thing, the most important thing that we're going to start off with here, we're talking on Monday the 24th. It's a bunch of getting registered, all this kind of stuff. There is a very neat presentation being done by Jeffrey Cole, the director of the Center of Digital Future at USC, called The Movie Theater. Movie theaters aren't going anywhere. I am kind of interested. I might go and check that one out. But the real party starts. Uh, first is the big opening reception. God, loved Aaron loved going to these receptions. It's free food and free booze. So she just loves going to these receptions. But the real thing starts Monday night. From 6.15 to 8.15 p.m., Sony Pictures kicks things off with an exclusive presentation highlighting all their upcoming releases and all their big guns are going to be there. Tom Rothman, the chairman and CEO of Sony Pictures, will be presenting. Uh, Josh Greenstein, the president of Sony Pictures Group. Uh, Steve O'Dell, the president of International Releasing. And Adrian Smith, the president of Domestic Releasing, doing their big presentation. So what can we expect from Sony's presentation. Well, our friends over at Joe Blow put together a, a good list of what they've got coming up in the next year. And we'll talk about what we're expecting to see. Now, obviously, 65 already came out. Uh, the the uh, the Pope's Exorcist came out. We got that George. I don't expect them to do much with the George Foreman thing, although they did discuss the George Foreman picture last year. They gave us, a, I think, like a five-minute look at the movie last year, but that won't really be a piece here. I'm not really familiar with this Love Again movie. I don't even know that I recognize oh, people. I've seen previews for this. I finally saw some last night. And and what what basically is it? Um, so it is some kind of rom com with Priyanka and the guy Sam. Gosh, I can't remember. His oh, last that's name Priyanka. From, uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, it's the fella from um, Outlander. Okay. Um, and then uh, Nick Jonas has a like cameo in it as some kind of like, douchebag that like she goes out on dates with. Um, but yeah, it's some kind of rom com that's coming out. She's hot right now because she's also got that show coming out with um, uh, oh, with Richard Madden. With Richard Madden, mm -hmm. yeah. What's what's that? It's not. It's called. Um, it's a one word thing, and I can't remember the name of that, that show. That spy show. Yeah. So so listen, that's coming out May twelfth. So I expect they're going to give us a bit of a pop on Citadel. that. Citadel. Yeah. Citadel's what it's called. Citadel. Thanks, chat. Now, then on May 26th, apparently, The Machine uh, is coming out. I saw the trailer to this. I did not like the trailer to this. I know, right? Because it's the kind of style that is right up my alley that I, I usually would really love. And you got Mark Hamill in it playing his dad. I did not find it funny. Now, listen, I've seen a lot of bad trailers to movies that I ended up loving. And maybe that will be this, but I fully expect we're probably, I'll, I'll bet we're going to get like a 12 minute, like uh, one of the, something in the first act. They're going to give us probably a 12 minute preview of this. Yeah. So I'm expecting some stuff there for the machine. It's fun to have Burt Kreischer come out and do a like oh, tight five yeah, or something like we had for um, every Easter other Sunday. Movie. That's what happens with the, the other things. When they're presenting these movies, they often bring out the directors or the stars of them, yeah. which leads us into this one. And I think this is the one that I'm most excited about. You can bring up my screen there. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Now, last year, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say they probably dedicated a good half hour to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse because not only did they show us the first 15 minutes of the movie, this is last year they showed us the first 15 minutes of this movie that is still not out. But then they talked for a good 15 minutes as well, going talking about all the behind-the-scenes stuff, everything going in. That's Lord and Miller who were on stage there. Uh, talking about it, giving us all sorts of details, showing us the footage, all that kind of stuff. I totally believe since they showed us 15 minutes last year, much of it was completely unfinished. 
I feel pretty good they're going to show us at least another 15 minutes of it this year. So I'm, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that there will be a secret screening of this. Fingers crossed that there will be a secret screening of this. All right. Next up, a movie that I am shocked I am excited about. But I thought the trailer, even though I didn't like the sound of this movie, uh, No Hard Feelings, coming on June 23rd. They released the trailer for this. I thought it looked really funny. Chris, I don't think you enjoyed this trailer much. Nah. I don't know. I, I feel like this type of movie has been played out. I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind. But I do have a feeling they're going to... I think Jennifer Lawrence will probably come out on stage. We'll probably get a little bit of a presentation of that. Harold and the Purple Crayon. I know nothing about this movie. I don't know. Is this a character? Is this a well-known character? I've never heard of it. Or is this I, just... I, I already love it. That that title's already got me. Harold and the Purple Crayon. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's serious. I don't know if this is something that you present at CinemaCon, but who knows? Maybe they will. Uh, then, of course, Insidious Fear of the Dark. This has been a very, very big franchise with them. I expect them to do some some coverage on this. Gran Turismo, the movie, August I'm not even sure that this movie is still coming out on August 11th, to be honest with you. So I don't know what they're going to be doing with that. Uh, then They Listen is a Blumhouse production. Uh, Catherine Watterson and John Cho, who I love, star in this Blumhouse horror film. The plot has not been released as of yet, but it hopes to capitalize on the same release period that Searching used. That film had a budget of under $1 million, but grossed $75 million worldwide. Wouldn't it be great to be able to say that your movie made 75 times its production budget? Uh, that's great. Now, then we move over to Denzel Washington's The Equalizer 3. I believe Denzel's coming out on stage for this. Ooh. Um, did Antoine Fuqua direct this one as well? Oh. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember try. off the top of my head if, if he came back to direct this one or not. But uh, this has been a solid franchise for them. So I expect that we are going to get a really nice preview of Equalizer 3. Now, here's the one I'm wondering about. This is now the one I'm most excited about for Sony's presentation is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The one I am most intrigued by is Craven the Hunter, which as of right now, I believe is still scheduled to come out on October 6th. But we have heard nothing about this. Nope. Now, I'm not surprised there's not a trailer. Like we're in April, May, June, July, August, September, October. The movie's still six months away. I still think that's a little bit too long to put out a trailer for. So it's fine that there's no trailer, but I'm not even talking. We've heard nothing. There haven't even been like set photos recently. No, that kind I, of thing usually happens. I ha I am very dubious. Like I think we will 100% find out for sure this week at CinemaCon if Craven the Hunter is indeed still going to come out on October 6th. Because that was already pushed, right? That was supposed to come out yeah. earlier in the year. Now, it was at last year's CinemaCon that we got our first little glimpse at Craven the Hunter. We got a, just a little bit of footage from it. So, I, I, look, we will one way or another find out whether or not this movie is still coming out on October 6th. I have my doubts. I think they may announce that they've pushed it again, maybe to Christmas, maybe to February, pardon me, of 2024. So I am very interested to find out what they're going to do with this. Are we going to get a Venom? Which I love Venom. So is Craven the Hunter going to be like another Venom? Or... Will it be a Morbius? Oh. And I, I don't know which way is which ways this one going to go. We might get an idea this week at CinemaCon. Uh, of course, Ghostbusters Afterlife, a sequel. Remember, they surprised us. They shocked us a couple of years ago when they when Ivan Reitman and his son, when Ivan Reitman was still with us, and his son Jason Reitman came out on stage and talked about the new Ghostbusters and then shocked everybody when they said, 
and now you're going to watch it. And we were like, what? And they did drop this big surprise screening of us on it. It was incredible. I cannot wait to see this. So I'm sure they're going to talk about this one a lot. I, I think it's going to be something rather poetic. I think Jason Reitman will cover, probably come out on stage. He's not directing this one, but he is a producer on it. I wouldn't doubt at all if Jason Reitman comes out on stage and talks about the last time I was on stage with you guys, I was with my dad. And it, there won't be a dry eye in the house. So that is the schedule they've got coming up for this year. Okay. Real quick, uh, Antoine yeah. Fuqua is the director for Equalizer. Okay, TV. great. So maybe well, he'll be there too. Which I'm very excited to hear. All right, so that's on Monday, April 24th. Now we move over to Tuesday, April 25th. And here is the schedule. So, uh, of course, Continental Breakfast, big important state of the industry. Warner Brothers is doing its panel at 8.30 in the morning. And here's the thing. It's a four-hour schedule. Four hours. I'm not going to make it. Well, here's <laughs> peace so many times. Here's what now. Now, granted, it's also a state of the industry presentation, right? So that means it's more than just Warner Brothers talking about their projects. But listen, and because because they're handing out some awards too, the NATO Marquee Presentation Award, the the DLP Cinema presents a little salute to the films of 2022, industry recognition. That's all fine. That stuff usually goes in about 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. These studio presentations are usually about an hour and a half to two hours. I'm going to go out on a limb here. With an 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. schedule for this, I think there's a surprise screening. Which is weird because a little bit later in the day, they're showing us Flash. Yeah. Not well, you, but you, you guys. But. Not Chris, because Chris is going to be busy. Because I'm a non-believer. Yeah, I'll be teaching voiceover. But you guys better thrill me that day. But they're doing so. Listen, it is possible that all this gobbledygook of these presents, maybe that stuff is going to take like an hour and a half. But normally, it's like twenty to twenty-five minutes. That leaves three and a half hours. I've never no studio presentation goes that long. So that means they could do an hour-long presentation. And still have two and a half hours to do a surprise screening. I think we're going to get a surprise screening. But here's the thing. I don't know what that screening can be because we already know we're getting to see Flash, which is a little bit later today. Let's see. Where is that actually? If I scroll down uh, the Flash presentation, there it is. At 445 Tuesday afternoon, Warner Brothers Pictures invites you to a special advanced screening of the Flash very excited for this screening. So what could that be? Well, let's go over and look at the stuff that Warner Brothers has coming out this year. And we're going to see what's going to possibly see if we can pick out what this surprise thing might be. Now, Magic, Magic Mike already Magic came Mike. out. What's that? It's going to be Magic Mike. <laughs> it's going to be that. Even though it was already in it theaters. It wasn't his last dance? Yeah. So we already had uh, Creed. We already had Shazam Fury of the Gods. Evil Dead Rises out now. We already know we're getting Flash in that day. So here's your biggest contender, I think. Yeah. Barbie. I, this could. This is very much a CinemaCon kind of move. Now, again, let me be clear. I do not know that in that Warner Brothers presentation, even though it is four hours long, that there is a surprise screening, but I'm guessing there's a surprise screening. And I think Barbie is the number one contender for that. This is this would clearly be a big crowd pleaser. They, they bring out Margot Robbie. They bring out... Uh, Simu Liu, they bring out Ryan Gosling. You know, they bring everybody out, do a big, big push for it. Because there hasn't been a lot of buzz for Bar Barbie. And we saw what happened last year when they screened Top Gun Maverick. 
all of a sudden the buzz went through the roof mm-hmm. for the entire industry. They could drop Barbie there, show a screening of it. That could go off. So they're, but either way, even if they don't do a screening of it, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about it. This is another possibility. Meg two. Well, well. have fun. <laughs> Meg two. Yes. I love Jason Statham. I was not a big fan of the first Meg punch movie. That oh, Meg, Meg, he literally, at yeah, the moment Meg he punched the, the shark in the He's face, I'm like, all right, man. I don't know. What else would he do? Like you do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what else you do? Punch the shark in the nose. Come that's on. just, that's science. Better have Chuck Norris in that. Now, here's another possibility. We know Warner Brothers is very, very big on Blue Beetle. And we know that with all of the problems they had with Black Adam, the struggles they had with Shazam 2, the whole bit, hey, getting Blue Beetle some big positive buzz? Now, the It'd thing be a where big he, DC push then. What's that? It's a big T- DC push. That's then. the thing. That's the one reason why I think maybe it won't be that because they're already giving a big platform to Flash. Maybe they would. That's why I'm still picking Barbie over Blue Beetle because they're already doing a DC thing, but I wouldn't put it past them to show us no. Blue Beetle. This is another contender, the Nun 2. Oh, no. What a nose. <laughs> the I, nose knows. I don't knows. want two spooky movies back See, this to back is what in my I was, mornings. This is what I was thinking coming up next. Is, is Dune, yeah. yeah. Look, either way, time? whether they're showing us like the Without full September, movie of Blue Beetle or not, portions. I mean like two hours. Then I guarantee you they're going to give us a solid presentation of Blue Beetle. Like whether or not that's going to be a surprise screening, I guarantee. I I feel like I can guarantee we're going to get like a fifteen minute clip of Blue Beetle because they want to start building up the buzz for this thing, and there's no better place to do it than with all the movie theater owners. Well, and they have to give the exhibitors more confidence in yes. DC, right? You're this. What a lot of people I think don't realize is CinemaCon really does help dictate how many screens a movie is going to get. And this is what's really important here. Yes, how we all feel about the trailers is very important, but these theater owners, they are the ones who are deciding how many screens do I want to give to that movie based on the buzz in this room, based on what I saw here today. Because so they just really said, need to put that self-esteem into there. I think you're 100% right when you said give them confidence. Because what is their last experience with the DC Universe? Shazam, Shazam 2, too. which burned the theaters. It burned the theaters. Right, so they uh, going a good, solid presentation of Blue Beetle is going to be important. Uh, none, they're going to, they're obviously good. They love pushing their horror stuff there, but I think this, it's not going to be the screening. No, no, they're not going to screen this movie. But I guarantee <clears throat> you, Denis Villeneuve is going to come out on stage. They are going to give us a big, solid presentation on Dune. I wonder if you can get like twenty minutes or something. I wouldn't doubt it. I would yeah. not doubt it at all. Uh, that they're going to give a good, solid chunk of time to really push this. Remember, the first Dune movie won more Academy Awards at the Oscars that year than any other film. Uh, There's a lot of momentum going into this one. Again, I do not believe it will be the surprise screening, but I believe they're going to give us a really good presentation on this. Now, don't forget, guys, after every one of these presentations at CinemaCon, the first thing we're all doing is heading back to my hotel room and we're going to be live streaming for a couple hours telling you guys all about what we saw. So make sure you guys are tu- tuning in every single day. This is another one. They're going to do a little bit of a Timothy Chalamet back-to-back because we also got Wonka coming out. So again, I expect a good, solid presentation on this. Probably Maybe just the debut of a new trailer. I don't expect like a 15-minute presentation like I am from Dune, but maybe... The world premiere of a new trailer. Timothy Chalamet will probably be there for Dune anyway. He's going to come out and talk about how wonderful the movie is and all that kind of stuff. So there's that as well. And then what do we got here? Oh, yeah. And then the color purple. I forgot totally about this. This is definitely one they're going to be giving a lot of attention to. Mm -hmm. And Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, which means a lot of DC stuff for them to cover this year. 
I don't know if Jason Momoa will be there. I don't know that we're going to get a, a big presentation about it. Uh, maybe a new trailer, maybe a, something like that, even though it's way too early to be putting out trailers, but they might give us a first little sneak peek at Aquaman. We'll find out. That'll be interesting. All right. Now we move from Tuesday. Well, actually, we'll stick on Tuesday for a second because, again, of course, at 4.45 to 7.15 p.m. is, let's go to my screen here, from 4.45 to 7.15 p.m., Warner Brothers invites you to a special screening of The Flash. Uh, this, of course, for a lot of people going this year is kind of the thing they've got circled. We are going to find out, is all this hype, is all these rumblings that we've been hearing for like six months that Andy Muschietti has put together a masterpiece of a comic book movie. Is this real? Is it even real? Does it exist? <laughs> Does it actually exist? Um, I do not think Ezra Miller will be there. I do not what? think they're going to, I do not think they're going to bring it because they're going to want people to talk about the movie. I don't think they're going to want people talking about Ezra Miller. Um, <laughs> why? What? <laughs> you just Sorry. lost... <laughs> That image just killed me. <laughs> I don't think Ezra's going to be there. What? what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're going to find, hey, James Gunn saying it's one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. Uh, so we're going to find out. We're going to find out. And at like, what does this go to? 7.15? At about 7.20, we will have our first react. We're going to make a, a quick out of the theater reaction video to it. And then we are going to head back to the room and probably talk for a good 30, 45 minutes about without spoiling things about what we saw and, and what we thought about the movie and all that kind of stuff. So that's obviously a really big deal uh, coming up there. All right. And then, of course, it's the big after party. Next up, we head over to Wednesday, Wednesday, the 26th. So, uh, of course, Continental Breakfast, some uh, some breakout sessions, trade show suites. And then at 930 in the morning, 930 to 1230. So they've got themselves a two hour block of time. Walt Disney Studios invites you to its 2023 presentation, highlighting its upcoming release schedule, followed by a special advanced screening of 20th Century Studios, The Boogeyman. So they've got a couple things here that they're doing. They're going to talk about their upcoming movies, and then they're going to give us a screening of The Boogeyman. Now. Hate it. <laughs> I'm very excited to see this so with you. So mad. You weren't in there with us last year for uh, Black Phone. The Black Phone. I'm very excited to be sitting. I want to make sure you're sitting right beside me for Boogeyman. I cannot wait for that. Me constantly to be like, nope, don't like it. <laughs> don't like it. Why not are you at going all? in that room? And honestly, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to Boogeyman. I don't know that it it doesn't look as good as the Black Phone. I really like the Black Phone. I really like Christmasina. So that I'm trying I'm trying to silver line this for myself. Like Christmasina is a great actor who I very much enjoy. This could be interesting, even though it's a plot that I. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> so we will see how that all goes. So let's go over and see what Joe Blow has got for us for the upcoming schedule for Disney's film. Now, obviously, a couple we've already had. Uh, a Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, Chevalier. Is that how you pronounce it properly? Is that the violinist? Yes. It's Chevalier. Chevalier. Thank hey. you, Jen. Yeah, Jen. Thank you, Jen. Chevalier. 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 Uncultured the swine. <laughs> the all new 2023 Chevalier. 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 Let's go places. <laughs> With three rows of the seats. New electric. With four wheel drive, you can go wherever your imagine lets you. Now, here's something I really thought. I would have, a few months ago, I would have put money that this 
was going to be getting a surprise screening, but apparently not. Hmm. Uh, let's go to my screen, Jonathan. I, I would have put money a few months ago that this was, we were going to get a surprise screening. I, I thought with the fact that it was releasing so close, it's coming out on May 5th, with it coming out so close to CinemaCon, because they did that with Shang-Chi, they did that with one of their other films too, I can't remember which one, because it was opening up so so quickly after that, I thought for sure they'd be giving a Guardians of the Galaxy. Apparently they are not. But I'm sure they're going to give us a big presentation. We're going to get a look at a lot of things. Little Mermaid, they are going to push hard. They are absolutely going to push hard on Little Mermaid. This is something they've got a lot wrapped up in, a lot invested in. So I expect, this is one of those ones that I expect a 12, 13 minute uh, visual presentation showing us the footage of the film and all that kind of stuff. I, I think we're going to get a big, big push from them for Little Mermaid. Uh, then... Boogeyman, of course, they're giving us an actual screening of the film. Cannot wait to watch that sitting beside Chris Carr. And then this is one I'm very excited about, Elemental. This, to me, uh, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I I really did like Soul. I like Soul a lot. I did not love Luca. I enjoyed Luca, but uh, I, I liked it. I liked the movie, but I didn't, you know, it didn't have that, Pixar magic to me that, you know, like a Ratatouille or a Wally -E or a Incredibles or, you know, Inside Out kind of had to me. This to me looks like it's a return to form for Pixar. I loved the trailer for this and I'm very, very excited about watching this. All right. So I expect for us to get a thing. And then something else they're going to give us a really big push on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Now, I don't know that they'll be able to get Harrison Ford to show up to this. I, th I definitely think we're going to get the director will come out. I think maybe even they'll get Spielberg to come out uh, as the producer of the film and everything like that. But I, I'm anticipating at minimum like a five-minute scene. I think they'll probably give us like a five, six, seven-minute scene or something like that. But Indiana Jones, Dial Destiny is one that's going to be given a lot of push. And, of course, the Marvels. They've already dropped the first trailer, which I... Eh, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I like the trailer a lot. I still thought it was a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit early, but it comes out July 28th. And I do expect Iman Vellani. I do expect Brie Larson. I do expect uh, Tay. Oh, what's the girl's name? Who plays Monica who plays Rambo. Oh, I sure why am I freezing on her name? What's that? I, I get, I, I'm freezing on the action. Anyway, I think all three, they'll bring all three of them out on stage. Uh, again, I'm expecting maybe a five, six minute uh, clip, five, six minute scene or something like that. I expect they'll probably give us for that. Do you got a name there, Chris? Tinoya Paris. That's her. Yeah. That's her. Thank you. So uh, again, that's one they're going to want to give a push to. Haunted Mansion. Now, the reason I think they're going to be kind of heavy on this one is because this is something that the movie theater owners like a lot, a family film. And this is a family, granted you can say it's a little bit of horror film, but it's going to be kind of like a family horror. So I think they're going to give a lot of attention to this as well. Uh, a Haunting in Venice. Now look, I'm not going to lie to you. I absolutely love Kenneth Branagh. I, I adore Kenneth Branagh. His Thor movie, the first Thor movie is one of my top 10 all-time greatest comic book films. I I love it more than most people. And a lot of that has to do with his thing. I did not love Murder on the Orient Express. 
Nope. Despite the fact that I love it, I was so excited about it. And I didn't love Death on the Nile either. I don't have, and I can't believe I'm saying this about a Kenneth Branagh movie. I don't have a lot of excitement for this third entry in the modern Hercule Perot. I just still don't even know if I'm ever saying it right. Uh, I don't even know. So I don't know. They'll probably give a little bit of attention to it. This is one that I'm very excited about. Next goal wins. This is the new Taika Waititi film uh, that he's been working on for a while. I think this looks, it sounds fantastic. I don't know that they're going to give us a huge presentation on this, but I think we're at least going to get our first glimpse of it. Maybe get a little bit of a sense of what the tone is going to be and all that kind of stuff. Then we've got Gareth Edwards's, who we have not heard from since Rogue One. And since, I mean, he's still technically the director of Rogue One, but everybody knows Tony Gilroy took over Rogue One. And we haven't seen or heard from Gareth Edwards since. So he's got this new movie, True Love, coming out. That'll be interesting. Wish is coming out. And of course, they love pumping their stuff, the animated stuff, and the the theater owners love this. Uh, Peter Pan and Wendy, I don't think they're going to present this at all because this is going to Disney+. Plus. I think there was a time when this was going to be looked at as a theatrical thing, but uh, now it's going to Disney+, Plus, so they don't play Disney Plus stuff at CinemaCon. So there's that. So that takes down the Disney schedule. Now, a little bit later on that same day, on April 26, it's Disney in the morning. Then at 4 p.m., Wednesday's a busy day because we got the Disney presentation, we got the Boogeyman screening, and we have Universal's pictures and focus features presentation going from 4 to 6.15 p.m. So what can we expect from Universal? Let's go over and take a look here. So... Uh, strays. <laughs> I cannot wait for strays. I hope they give us a good, I hope this is one of the ones where they don't just do a five minute thing. I hope that they show us like a good 10, 12 minute thing. I'm very, very excited for this one. Uh, let me go back to the beginning here. Uh, obviously we already had knock at the cabin. We already had cocaine bear super Mario's now out. We just had Renfield. Look, they're obviously going to spend a lot. This is the one that they hope is a billion dollar film fast 10. They hope this one's a billion dollar film. So they are going to want to get the theater owners as pumped and hype as possible because all of the hype that comes out of Las Vegas spreads around the world. I, they're not going to do a screening of the movie, but I wouldn't doubt if this is one that has a 10, 12 minute thing. And maybe not Vin Diesel comes out, but you know, maybe Louis Leterrier comes out to talk about the film. So I'm expecting we're going to see some footage we've never seen before. Over under 90% that when they show this, they say, so fasten your fast 10 your seatbelts and stare at all of us. A sad and depressing 100%. Perfect. Okay. Yep. A sad and depressing 100%. But there's that. So that's going to be up. Then, of course, we already talked about strays. And then this is another one. Oppenheimer. My God, I'm excited for this movie. Yeah. I... The, the feel of it, the, the use of it, the tone of it from what we've seen of it so far. I am really excited to see an actual, instead of, you know, a trailer-like set of clips, I'm excited to see a scene, right? Watch a good five, six-minute scene. I don't think they're going to drop, because Christopher Nolan's not big on revealing things early. So I don't think we're going to get one of these 11, 12, 15, 18-minute clips but i maybe a good five a good solid five minute scene so we probably get a sense of the scene of it so oppenheimer one is they're going to be very very uh excited about the last voyage of the demeter mm -hmm. they showed us a preview for this last year mm -hmm. 
Um, so I don't know if the situation was that they moved the release dates and now they're going to, but they're, we're already actually, I already got some emails from CinemaCon PR about Last Voyage of the Demeter. Don't miss the presentation and blah, blah, blah. So they're going to give us some stuff on that for sure. Uh, then the, un, I don't know anything about this. Untitled, Please Don't Destroy Comedy. Ooh. I don't understand. Comedy okay. group, Please Don't Destroy, which I've never heard of them. They're on SNL. So you know how we used to have those Lonely Island shorts on SNL? Yes. Uh, Please Don't Destroy does those kind of digital shorts now. Okay. You know yeah, what? They're fun. I I think I've seen one of their digital shorts because I think they did a spoof on home renovation shows once. And okay. All right. So the comedy group to what you were just saying, please don't destroy it has sort of taken over for the lonely Island boys making digital shorts in SNL. They make their first feature film as three roommates who want to change their station of life by searching for buried treasure in a nearby mountain. All right. You've already got me. Uh, it will be interesting to see if their style of humor translates to big screen. All right. So we'll see. Because Lonely Island did it great. Never Rock Stop, star. Never Stopping. So I, good. Oh, that movie's so freaking good. All right. Then we go on to an untitled Exorcist film. Guessing which, it'll be called Exorcist. Which, by the way, <laughs> I I think I heard that's getting bumped. I might be wrong about that. But I think I heard, so I'm, I'm not anticipating seeing anything there. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, something I have zero interest in is Trolls 3 band together but get it band <clears throat> yeah uh -huh. it's music uh -huh. um i feel bad about that because this used to be my wife's property uh trolls when when ann was at hasbro oh, yeah. this was one of the things that she was shepherding was mm -hmm. over there was the troll stuff and it's like yeah i'm, I'm not i'm not i'm not big the on first the movie's cute the, you know what the first movie yeah. is cute uh then that that, I, that I, stopped. then i stopped watching <laughs> stuff yeah uh, then Illumination has Migration. We just saw the first little thing of Migration. They just dropped a little teaser. And I was like, okay, you know what? This looks cute. Following up on the heels of the success they had with Mario. And that's all we got for Wednesday. I tell you, this thing's going to be packed. Now let's move on to Thursday, the final day of CinemaCon. So we've got, of course, some sessions, seminars, breakfast in the trade show suites, blah, blah, blah. Then at 10 a.m., a, a uh, short one hour and 45 minute presentation by Paramount Pictures invites you to an exclusive presentation highlighting its upcoming slate uh, being run by Brian Robbins, the president and CEO of Paramount. I, by the way, he does a great job every year. He they does last such year. a good they job. Won last year for yeah. 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 He, he does a great, not only that, because he was the guy that came out on stage. And remember, he's talking to the movie theater owners and he was the guy I wanted to run on stage and kiss him because he was the one on stage who said, by the way, we love trailers at Paramount, but movie theaters, please reduce the number of trailers you show per movie because people aren't even remembering what trailers they just watched because mm -hmm. you're playing too many. They I'm definitely like, listened. <laughs> I was like, finally, a studio head speaking gospel. And nothing happens. And, and nothing happens. I, I, I hope he doubles down on it this yeah. year, though, because I, I love it. But he always does such a great job. Anyway. So Paramount Pictures Come from on. 10 a.m. to 11.45. Let's go over and take a look at what Paramount's got in store. All right. With their film schedule, we are starting off with, oh, they already did 80 for Brady. You know, I, I can't even say because I didn't see it. I mean, I Tom Brady is my favorite football player of all mm -hmm. time. I love all the women in this movie, but I have, I have zero interest. Rob uh, saw it. <laughs> yeah, I still remember that. I have, I have zero, zero. I still haven't watched it. Then, of course, Scream came out. That was a big win for them. Dungeons and Dragons. Guess what? The movie didn't make them any money, but it's a win. That movie's mm -hmm. great, and they can start a franchise now. Uh, 
Transformers Rise of the Beast. Are we not getting... Oh, there, we got it back. Sometimes my NDI goes out. Transformers Rise of the Beast. Now, Ray got excited the other day because at CinemaCon, Paramount is throwing a big Transformers party. A big Transformers Rise of the Beast party. And Ray, and even I at first, when I saw the invitation, I thought it was a screening, but it is not a screening that we know of. It's not a screening they're doing for it, but they're uh, they're throwing a big, big party to celebrate Transformers Rise of the Beast. So I expect that this movie will be, represent a good chunk of that hour and 45 minute presentation. I think they're going to talk about this uh, a bunch. Then the one I could have swore they were going to do a secret screening of is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. I Again, they spent at least half hour, 35 minutes last year talking about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. They showed us a bunch of footage. They We were the first people they showed the trailers to. They showed a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff. They did all the kinds of stuff. Because last year, they also showed us Top Gun Maverick, and that made that movie take off. So I thought for sure, and considering how much Tom Cruise loves CinemaCon, I thought for sure they were going to do a screening of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Apparently, they are not. But you do know they're going to give us a lot of footage. We're going to get a lot of footage for this movie. Here you go, Ray. Yes! Teenage Mutant yes. Ninja Turtles. Yes. Mutant Dude. Mayhem. Yes. They're going to show something, and you're oh. going to be like, you know what? Ray and Chris were right. Ray and Chris were right. I hope you're right. This looks great. I can't wait for them to show us like 15 minutes of this thing. Yeah. I I am so excited for this movie. I can't even. If I they show the us animation. a secret screening, it's like an hour and 10 minute movie. I would. <laughs> Like I would cry if we saw like a big chunk of it. It would. It, this movie that. looks really nice to me. I, I I think it looks terrible. I know I you do, but it looks great. But you know, hey, listen, listen. Seth Rogen is behind it. He has very very rarely disappointed me. Oh, but Donkey I, I, Kong. Well, I mean, but he didn't produce that. He oh, didn't. Okay. He didn't like he, okay. Seth Rogen is the guy behind this right, movie. Right, right? Okay, he's like okay. one of the big producers of it. And he's never disappointed. I'm, me. I'm so uh, I'm not going to say never. He rarely disappoints. So even though I did not think the trailer looked very good, to me it looked like Sesame Street. What's the, the release date on that? August, right? August 4th. Yep, that's my month too. Good. So there, uh, I, I am very, August. I think you're going to be okay. very happy, Ray. I think they're going to be showing us a good chunk of that. Yes. Uh, we're not going to go too much into Paw Patrol, oh, the mighty movie. It. It's dogs. Uh, what? Who is in this room with me? Who have I surrounded myself hey. with? It's dogs, baby. It's true, it's dogs. Pretend to like it, for dogs' sake. But it's not real dogs. Oh. Yeah, but none of you actually watched the show. I don't, because there's no wiener dog on there. There is no wiener dog on there. Because you have kids. Yeah, and that was on. That was uh, frequent. Was that on the TV a lot? Yeah. But Paw Patrol, the mighty... Hey, listen, I said a little bit earlier, uh, the movie theater owners, they love their children's content. They love their family content. <laughs> they don't love so the we, cleanup. You might be lucky, Ray. We might be getting like a 10-minute presentation on Paw Patrol. The Mighty Movie. Then, bang the drum, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, the new Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, and my accountant's wife, mm -hmm. who is the star of this film alongside with Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, again, they're not... This is going to be a three and a half hour movie. They're clearly not doing a screening of it. <laughs> it's going to be a four and a half hour presentation. But, but I, I feel pretty <laughs> pretty safe that they're going to show us a bunch. Pretty safe that they're going to show us a bunch of this movie. So there's that one. And uh, 
That'll do it. And I think, no, oh, then there is one other thing. We're not going to go do a full rundown, but I believe a little bit later in the day. Lionsgate? Uh, is Lionsgate. Yeah, showing us Joyride. And they're going to show us Joyride. Very excited. I, listen, that trailer for Joyride came out of nowhere for me. Like I'd heard about the movie, didn't think anything of it. Then I saw there was a trailer, didn't even bother watching it until my wife texted me and texted me. She goes, have you seen the Joyride trailer? And then I watched it and I laughed my guts out. Uh, so this looks really, really good. Now what's funny is it looks like it's all a part of um, their presentation and the screening. So this must be a short movie and they're probably only going to talk about their other stuff for maybe 20 minutes. 15, 20 minutes. So I'm not expecting much of a presentation, uh, but jo I am very, very what excited. But what's That's that? Wednesday or Thursday? This is Thursday. So uh, we're going to kind of be closing the doors, uh, closing things down with that. Now, then I, I don't know that I'm going to go to this or not. I usually don't go, but this year might be interesting. From 7.30, 9.30 is the big screen achievement awards that they do every year. This year they're presenting... Uh, uh, where did it go? NATO Spirit of the Industry Award is going to Christopher Nolan. So Nolan's going to be there. Star of the Year is Zendaya. So she's going to be there. Oh, okay. Comedy Ensemble of the Year is Joyride. Uh, CinemaCon Award of Excellence in Animation. Chris uh, Melandri, who is, of course, the head of Illumination Studios, which, of course, they're currently riding high with Mario Brothers success. The Cinema Verite Award to Melissa McCarthy, who will be there promoting... Um, uh, Under the Sea, Little Mermaid. And Rising Star of the Year, Transformers Rise of the Beast star, Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback. So that could be fun. I might stick around for that. Now, or, or we might be on the road heading back home by that point. I'm not really sure if we're going to that. So guys, listen. Next week is a packed week. There are three verified screenings, Flash, Boogeyman, Joyride. I do believe that Warner Brothers is giving us another secret screening. So there are probably going to be four screenings there. A big presentations that we're going to be doing in videos of. This is the, other than the Oscars, this is the most important event in the, in the year for the industry. And we cannot wait to be there. We cannot wait to share our experiences with you. We hope you guys will watch along with us every day next week. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Actually, just quickly, let me go around the rate. What, if you had to pick out of all the stuff we just talked about, what is the thing you are most looking forward to? At CinemaCon. Well, I want to see The Flash, obviously. But out of the things that we're um, predicting, we get, I want to see some Ninja Turtles. Yeah. For real. Yeah. I want to see Ninja Turtles, some Ninja Turtles, or more of the Transformers. Um, Oppenheimer, obviously. Yeah. Just because Nolan, I don't know, for some reason, he does those those type movies right to me. Like, I love Dunkirk. I mean, um, and off the top of my I just saw pictures of what possibly this Boogeyman character looks like in the Disney... This thing is terrifying. This thing <laughs> That's why I terrifying. can't wait to watch it with Chris. Because I overheard they had to. Didn't we say something about that? They, yeah, they, Chris they had to change the. Can't wait the, to see it. Some things about the movie because it's aired too many. I didn't hear anything about oh, that. Okay, never mind. I think for me, the thing I'm lo most looking forward to. I mean, look, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say it's the full the full screen of the Flash. That's probably the thing. But that aside, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay, oh, yeah. what, what about surprise? Surprise that you'd be shocked if we saw anything. Okay, else. so the, the the biggest potential for a surprise is that four hour block for the Warner Brothers. That that to me suggests that there may, not guaranteed, but there may be a surprise screening. And if that ended up, again, if if there's a surprise screening, and we don't know that there is, it is most likely Barbie. 
But I would love it to be Blue Beetle. I would love it to be Blue Beetle. Uh, my, that would be the surprise I would look forward I to. I would be shocked if we get anything Madam Web. Like, oh, yeah, I don't, any, expect, any, yeah, I don't yeah. expect anything Madam yeah. Web. Although, I, I'm, man, I want to see something from Craven. I want to get a sense of what is this yeah. something from Craven. They better. I mean, the, the only other thing, they're either going to show us something from Craven or they're going to come out to announce that Craven has now been moved to February 2024. Uh, we can't wait to show you stuff next I year. I also hope we get the title or at least a concept from Jordan Peele's new next movie from Paramount. I, Maybe don't, because that, I don't think that would be coming out before next CinemaCon. So I don't know. I don't think they'll talk about it at all. Mm. They usually talk about yeah, limited to stuff that's coming out between now and the next CinemaCon. So we'll see. Chris, what about you? What would you think is your, besides Boogeyman, what are you most excited about oh at gosh. CinemaCon? Yeah, I guess being drunk at 9.30 in the morning. Oh, to, wow. <laughs> to just have a coping mechanism of some kind. Um, oh, you're empty. So probably Joyride is the thing I'm looking yeah, forward I'm to the most. I'm that. really excited about that. That trailer was hilarious. I think that's going to be really, really fun. I'm really looking forward to a lot of the things Ray was talking about. Seeing more of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, seeing more Spider-Verse, Oppenheimer, I'm very, very excited about. Um, I'm really looking forward to Disney Slate. And okay, honestly, as much as I do not want to see Boogeyman, I find it very interesting that that is the choice mm -hmm. of yeah. screening. Yeah. I would have swore it would have been Guardians yes. of the Galaxy. Exactly. Well, and as we were going through the list too, I was like, why isn't any of these things that I want? But I mean, honestly, that's pretty promising. So may maybe I'll come out a changed person. I doubt it, but maybe. Any any surprise, like shocker, if we saw any footage from something that you have in mind? Ooh, 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 ooh. Like you, you'd be surprised if we saw anything from? I don't think you can be surprised that they show anything. I, I mean, unless they they surprise us with a project we don't even know about. Oh, yeah, that's right. kind of where I'm at. Right? That would be the yeah. one thing. All right, guys. Question is for you. Next week is going to be crazy. It's my favorite week in the movie calendar year. It is the week of CinemaCon. What are you most looking forward to hearing about coming out of that? What stuff do you think might surprise us? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down we are now going to move on and take your questions that you guys have been sending in to us at our tip link which you can send in anytime 24 7 at streamelements.com slash john campia slash tip we're going to get to those here in just a moment but before we do we want to take a second to thank a couple of more sponsors of today's show our friends at BetterHelp and my mobile service provider mint mobile Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Think about it. The person you were five years ago is not the exact person that you are today. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And guys, striving for better mental health is something we should all aspire to. I've talked about this before, but when somebody goes to the gym, we applaud them for getting out there to improve their physical health. Well, it's about time that we start looking at mental health the same way, not just by encouraging the people around us to look into therapy, but by also taking the step to take care of our own mental health as well. So listen, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com campia today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, 
H-E-L-P dot com slash Campia. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. Gold medal, baby. <laughs> you should walk in with a gold medal every time. You we are not going to say what Rage has said. And thank you to our friends in Better Health. We hand him a cup of water as he runs in. <laughs> and Min Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campion Show. Okay, guys, with that all down, let's now move on to your question, shall we? Chris, what do we got up in here? All right, from TJ the Deadite. It's game day, Campia family. Yeah. Evil Dead Rise is here. Yes, it oh, is. Yeah, right. I'm forcing my squeamish girlfriend to watch with me, who thought she was going to have a heart attack watching Smile. So I'll report back tomorrow. I'm so sorry you're going to get dumped. <laughs> I think it's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. It's a proper TJ, uh, my man. She's going to have a great time. Oh. You're all going to have, you know, I, I, I was going to go see it last night, but two things uh, happened. One, there were two major, Anne's a really big basketball fan, and there were two games on. Uh, also, the Toronto Maple Leafs played last night. Which, okay, I'm trying not to get too excited, but they absolutely curb stomped Tampa Bay. Well, so it's 1-1 one, one now? So it's 1-1 one, one now. Well, so they so. finally showed a little bit of life last night, but I'm, I'm going to try not to get too excited. Uh, so Ann and I are going to go see it tonight. Uh, we're going to go watch uh, Evil Dead Rides time. Very excited. Mm -mm. All right. What's next? From Dwarfer.uk, Bone Choices, Tom Hardy, Luke Evans, which one? Neither, but if, I mean, I would, I, I think both of them are great. If it had to be, if I had to choose between those two, either would be wonderful. I think I'd go Luke Evans. I'd go Luke Evans yeah. too. Yeah, I, I think I think Luke Evans is uh, is the guy. Totally hit on my wife right in front of me once. Luke That's Evans. Luke Evans did. Yes. Well, because you don't. But up. don't need to worry. It was. It was. <laughs> as it turns out, I don't need to worry. But it was. Uh, it totally inadvertent. I, I took. I've told the story before, but I took Anne. I was going to go. I was going to meet Luke Evans to interview him for. Dracula? Can't remember which movie it Dracula was. Untold? No, it wasn't Dracula Untold. But anyway, so I go into his hotel room and I bring Ann with me to operate the camera. And he just assumed, understandably so, that she was the interviewer and I was the camera person. And so when I pointed out to him, I said, oh, no, no, actually, I'm, I'm doing the interview. Uh, Ann is here to do the camera work. He goes, I've never seen a more attractive camera person. Ooh, and I'm what? like, awesome. I said, yeah, absolutely. I said, well, actually, Ann is my wife. 
And he said, wonderful. And then I looked over it and gave me the dirtiest look. <laughs> Why have you ruined this for yeah. me? She, 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 that's exactly what she said. She exactly said those words, exact words to me. Why must you ruin everything for me afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Luke might be gay, actually. I, I think that yeah, so Luke's gay, but yeah. I, he would make a terrific James Bond. He'd be a great James Bond. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher. I loved the Picard finale. I did enjoy uh, Strange New Worlds more, though. It's fitting this ended with a Death Star trench run. Can yeah. we please get this Seven, Raffi, and Jack spinoff they set up? What do you call it, though? Enterprise <laughs> G doesn't work, and Legacy is too bland in my Enterprise opinion. G unit. Uh, listen, no, they totally set up a new series. They totally set up a new series at the end there. And, and I, for one, would look forward to it and watching it. Yeah, the, the ending is of Picard season three was absolutely Return of the Jedi, because it's like... Let's, we got to navigate into the heart of this massive battle station, blow up the core, then try to get out in time. Meanwhile, our hero is actually on that battle station trying to save their relatives, saying, no, I'm not going to leave you behind. But it was completely Return of the Jedi. But you know what? I, I still thought it, it ended, that ending, 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 the ending of the ending was so fabulous <laughs> and so joke. emotionally satisfying. Uh, but yes, Strange New Worlds is better. Strange New Worlds is better. Uh, but, but again, they're both really good. And, and it's really good to see Star Trek now on a bit of a roll because mm -hmm. uh, the two now things we've had back to back are Strange New Worlds, which is fantastic. Uh, Picard season three. So it's two wins in a row, I think, for them, which is really good. All right. What's next? Did they say your sister was right? <laughs> Tell your sister she was right. right. Uh, from Garden Variety Vagabond. <laughs> Interesting. All the sorry, Ray text me still going back to Usain Bolt. Um, interesting. All the calls to do every upcoming action movie. He has uh, spoken on several occasions on injuries and how he is not one for doing tons of stunts. Lately, his bad back has been majorly aggravated from carrying the Star Wars franchise on his back. I have no idea who we're talking about. Uh, John Boyega? No. Maybe Pedro Pascal. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry, Carmen. I don't know who who's, you're talking who's about. The he? Diego Luna? I, I I don't know. All right, what's next? Well. From Jose, having trouble finding all the Spider-Man movies in one spot? I figured out a simple solution. Buy the 4K DVDs. Now they're quite literally under one roof. Oh, he might have been talking about Favreau. Oh, maybe. Why would why would Favreau be talking about a bad back in action films though? Because he's carrying everything. Oh yeah, never mind. Just, <laughs> um who cares? Yeah, of course, yeah. If you want to drop you know, 80 to $100 to go and buy the physical disc and then having to keep them physically somewhere and store them and then having to physically grab them and inserting discs every time you want. Sure. I mean, that's okay. Again, I, I, I've i got a great rotary phone I can sell you if you want to do things that way. You know, the only reason why I bought my the past couple ones that I, I purchased was for 3D. Like yeah. the 3D disc. Mm -hmm. That was the only thing that was... Uh, or sometimes... Do they the, still make 3D discs? I, they don't anymore. That's why I haven't bought one in a long time. I okay. think the last like, one I bought was uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, because you have to have the disc. You have to have the TV. You have to have the player. And you've got yeah, to have, but I had all those. And, so, I were, yeah. Yeah. and I don't think you could get a, a digitally stream 3D, right? That's you not, can. Oh, you can? Yeah, you can. Oh. But I think you have to have a TV that can then... Uh, display it properly. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, I yeah it. it's, it's a whole yeah, ecosystem. It's gone anyways. Need, yeah. that, that, that technology is not... All right, what's next? From Casinema, Mandalorians are basically the Star Wars equivalent of dwarves from Lord of the Rings. Their culture is based around building and forging things. They live in domed cities, and they tend not to get along well with outsiders. Heck, I can see a lot of parallels between Mando Season 3 and The Hobbit. Um, I don't disagree with you, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I, I think that's actually pretty. Now, of course, Mandalorians is also based more on being a war 
kind of culture, a, a battle kind of culture. That not so much the dwarves, but yeah, I I think that's not a bad comparison. As a matter of fact, it's not a bad thing at all. All right, what's next? From Jay Bling, my theory on why there's no Hobbs and Shaw 2 is since Fast 11 is meant to be the saga finale, they want everyone back. So I feel like the studio wanted, bless you, Dwayne Johnson you. to return for Fast 11 and exchange, they would have greenlit Hobbs and Shaw 2, but he said no. No, make no mistake about it. They would have greenlit Hobbs and Shaw 2 if Rock was willing to do it, period. It's not like Rock was like, please, may I do Hobbs and Shaw 2? No, they would, they would love, because that damn Hobbs and Shaw... How much did it make as a spinoff? If somebody can look up the box office numbers on that. But I think it was like as a standalone spinoff without any of the main characters from the main series. It made 760 it million? $760 million. Hobbs and Shaw? Hobbs and Shaw made. Jeez. Isn't that crazy? So yeah. I didn't think it made that much. Yeah, wow. it made a ton. So More than Black Adam? It's, it's almost twice as much as Black Adam. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like Universal was going... I don't know, Dwayne, maybe we'll let you do Hobbs and Shaw too. If you do, no, 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 they, they would have greenlit that in a second, but uh, yeah, there's, there's clearly burnt bridges and bad blood uh, over there. All right, what's next? From Chloe Fanning, one thing about the Twilight movies is that Twilight Breaking Dawn 2 was the last big midnight physical media release before streaming became mainstream, ending the midnight DVD releases. I'm sorry, there were midnight DVD releases? Yeah, I was not, I was not well, part of that group. That's crazy. I mean, I remember, I know like video game midnight releases where really? would line up at GameStop. Yeah. If yeah. that's but, true, that's how big this thing was. Yeah. I mean, look, look do you, we went through the numbers, the, 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 the analytics on the Twilight franchise. Yeah. That, that's a franchise that made $3.4 billion. And who knows how much the books made and who knows how many babies were made middle-aged mothers oh, <laughs> started chasing after high school boys i mean i as a result it, it was what was that group called twilight moms what there was a group the other, there was like this big group this big organization i think it was called twilight moms <laughs> or something like that what, what yeah. did they do what, 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 yeah they, 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 they nurtured people they or twilighted people they yeah i like look i don't want to speak for anybody yeah, you i don't know what they did in their secret everybody. meetings but they were called Twilight Moms. Yeah, let's do it. I'm so confused. I mean, not... Did they go after Twilight Boy? Twilight Boy? Oh, you know they would have gone after Twilight uh, Boy. Yeah. Now, of course, if the, if the roles were reversed... <laughs> it's out of nowhere. Yeah. And it was called... The group was called Twilight Dads that walked around with Bella shirts on. That might have been defined Ooh. as a little bit of creepy. Yeah, that's not a... But the Twilight Moms was adorable. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Anonymous, even if Jonathan is found innocent, Jonathan Majors is found innocent, it's going to always be attached to him. People will make up their own conspiracies about how he got off. Mm -hmm. It sucks, but a lot of times when things like this are put out there, being found innocent doesn't fix it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, okay, I, I don't disagree with the principle, but with the unique circumstances here, and that this is not something that's been dragging on for a year. Remember, it's been a little over a month. I honestly think if before May 8th, which is the, the first day he's supposed to appear in court, if before May 8th, the DA comes out and says, just like what happened with, just with the Alec Baldwin situation just now, and the DA comes out and says, hey, yeah, listen, we, we have done a thorough examination. We take, these, we take these charges and these things very, very seriously, and we've done a thorough examination of everything that we have, and we do not believe there's any grounds to, to 
prosecute Jonathan Majors and we are dropping all charges. I think if that happens, I honestly think he will be able to move on from this. I really, really do. Uh, now, that's a lot of ifs and a lot of asterisks. I get it. But I think if that were to happen, I think he will be able to move on with his career fairly quickly. Who knows? All right. What's next? From Anonymous, I loved the Spider-Man ATS trailer. Do you feel like it showed too much, giving away key moments? Nope. And, and here's the thing, too. We got to remember when we watch trailers, because we're seeing things out of context, this has happened many times where we've seen a trailer and say, oh, man, they just did. They just give a certain major thing. And then it turns out the thing they showed was something that happens in the first 10 minutes of the movie. That is whatever. Right. When you're watching content out of context, you don't know if what you're watching is something that's a big giveaway or, or whatever. Right. So I I think they actually I think they've been very reserved as a matter of fact. So I think they could show a lot more. All right, what's next? Someone just wrote the cancel of Kangs. The, can the cancel of Kangs. From Grayson. Hey, crew, have any of y'all seen Short Term 12 with Brie Larson and directed by Destin Daniel Creighton? It's one of my favorite movies. It deals with a group of volunteers led by Larson who... Sorry, we're laughing over help, here. Help troubled teens with abusive past. It's really, it really warms my heart. Yeah, of course, same director who directed Shang-Chi and will be directing uh, Kang Dynasty. By the way, Rami Malek was in that as well prior to him winning an academy award it's really good that movie's really really good i mean listen uh, i get it what brie larson whenever her name comes up it obviously it instantly becomes this divisive thing because there are just people out there that hate women apparently but she it wasn't just room and for which she won an academy award for like she's been showing for a while she's a fucking dynamic actress she's a really really good actress and if some people can get their heads out of their asses well she's a woman uh, though yeah but, but, yeah, but <laughs> don't forget though she is a woman yeah um her menstruation attracts bears very very dangerous for a movie set yeah yep just gotta We're remember that constantly hoping y'all get mauled <laughs> all right what's I mean. next conspiracy. yeah from anonymous leaps fan here from scarborough ontario yes okay let's read this with respect chris Read this, put a little extra respect on I'm this one. I'm just proud that I was like, Owen, oh, I'm assuming Ontario. Um, <laughs> Leafs fan here from Scarborough, Ontario. By the way, full quote, cool full marks you for knowing how to pronounce Scarborough. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, it's called reading. <laughs> okay, John, as of writing, Leafs tied the series. Damn right they I did. I feel good this year. They got curb stomp GM1, but I think that's if they got their shit together now. Too much talent, but history does repeat itself. <laughs> Listen, yeah, look, I'm not going to get too excited. I want to get excited, but I, but yeah, a nice seven to two shellacking is exactly the kind of response they needed to give after getting curb stomped themselves in game one. This was saying, listen, we're the we're the Toronto Maple Leafs. We are God's team. We are going to assert ourselves now. This is can our I just, uh, as the uh, director of operations here, can I just request that uh, you know if they win, and I hope they do. We have that day off because I feel like conditions here would become intolerable for all of us. Yeah. What do you got against the Toronto Maple Leafs? No, no it's just, just your enthusiasm. Your exuberance, your enthusiasm yeah. is just going to become so abrasive after Listen, am I not good year round of keeping my Toronto Maple Leafs stuff in the background? Am That's I not I'm really good all year? I keep all that stuff usually off the show. But I, if they win, oh my I God. think you're going to I'm just, just like, you're going to be a rioter, basically. I you're going to be flipping desks. I know. That's what I'm afraid screaming. of. Screaming. 
I, I like, couldn't oh. even tell you what'll happen. I don't know. That's I, what I can't I mean. even say you're wrong. <laughs> can't even say you're wrong. I can't even say you're wrong. All right. What's next? From a men. <laughs> Hope you all have fun at CinemaCon next week. Is Tris Christian still going? And if so, will he be a part of some of your guys' coverage videos? Thanks, bring on the filthy, and hope you have a wonderful weekend. No, we, we Christian was going to be coming along with us, but then he wasn't, he's not able to go now. He is going up now, but for one day. Christian's only able to make it out there for one day. So uh, you'll probably see him pop up in a video of ours while we're there, but he is now only going to be there for a day because of his commitments, unfortunately. All right, what's next? From Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal. That is such That's a great name. I like that. Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, O'Neal. Oh, I love it. Oh. Hey, John, I saw on the hot mic with uh, Roca that, or Rocha? And Roca. Roca. And Snyder that David Fincher is more than likely directing the American version of Squid Game. If that's the case, would you prefer that to be its own thing or connected to the original? Thanks so much, love. Um, I'll, I don't believe that's happening. I'm not saying I have information that proves that's not happening. Big, big difference. I don't believe that that's happening. Um, so, I mean, but if they do it, I think it's just going to be kind of a direct remake. I don't think it'll be like uh, a spin-off. But again, I, I don't know. I have no definitive information. I'm just saying I don't think it's going to happen. All right, what's next? From Andy. Saw Bo was afraid yesterday, and it's batshit insane and stupid. I swear the producer stole the writers from Riverdale because it's that absurd, and it explained why season seven so far is relatively sane. <laughs> The film is so bad, it gave me deeper appreciation for every other film. Damn. Yeah, I got around watching it. I didn't enjoy it. Ooh. Now, not a big surprise coming from the director of Midsommar, right? Like, that's that's a movie that it's got to hit you the right way. And for me, this one didn't. I mean, you got, an act, you got a world-class actor in there, but I, yeah, it just didn't really work for me. Mm. All right, what's next? From Lee Crow sending in a $20 tip. Thank you, Lee. Yo, crew, weird movie business question. Do people like John Favreau need to join all guilds they take part in? Does he belong to WGA, SAG, PGA, DGA? Or does he just need to pick one? Or does someone have the option to not belong to any of them? You know what? That well, is a the good... option. You won't work. So, Chris, <laughs> yeah. you are better positioned here to answer this mm -hmm. question than me. Because let me tell you what my perception of it is and then correct me where I'm wrong. You do not have to pick just one. There are definitely people who are in the WGA and DGA and SAG and stuff like that. Yes. Um, but correct, correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, a, a lot of the bigger movies are union movies, which I believe if somebody is going to direct a movie, I think they have to be a member of the DGA. Do they not for the other unions to also participate? For it to all be a union film, you all need to be union members. Um, for example, when I had booked a commercial um, several years ago, I had been SAG eligible, right? And in order for me to be in that commercial for it to air, I had to join the union because I no longer could just be eligible. I had to kind of shit or get off the pot, basically. Um, there are workarounds for a lot of these unions, too, though. For SAG specifically, there's something called FICOR, Financial Core, where you are a non-dues-paying uh, member, essentially. So you don't get any of the benefits of the union, but you're able to work both non-union and union things. But then that means you don't have benefits like health care, access to um, pension plans, that sort of things. A lot of the um, safety protocols, too, that are extended to sag after actors, you don't have then as a non-union actor, et cetera, et cetera. So you basically would be joining these other unions if you want to participate in them. So if you wanted to be a guild union member who's you know getting those benefits and things as a writer, you need to join the union, that sort of thing. All right. 
Good information. All right, what's next? From Suthius. While Mando season three was my least favorite, I still enjoyed it. The one thing that I took away from this series and the thing I'm impressed with is how the aerial scenes were shot. Anything that took place in the air and the sky or in space looked amazing. 100% agree. I thought all that stuff looked great. Uh, like even when they were chasing the bird and inexplicably ran out of gas in about three miles, yet somehow were then able to fly up into space. But no, but even then, I thought all the aerial stuff looked fantastic. I thought it looked great. Again, listen, I, I, I don't want to come across as if I hated season three of Mandalorian. There's a lot of stuff in season three of Mandalorian that I thought was really, really great. But I was also underwhelmed by a number of things in a lot of ways. And I thought the writing was the weakest of the writing of all three seasons. And I thought it was the weakest of the seasons. I still don't regret that I watched it, though. Like, I, I, there was a lot of it that I love. And that aerial combat stuff was definitely one of the highlights. All right, what's next? From Grogu Campia. Hey, John, <laughs> out of your holy trinity of the worst movies of all time, Battlefield Earth, Catwoman, Highlander 2, which one do you personally think is the worst of the three and why? Pretty curious. Also, I agree that they are the three worst movies ever. Yeah, so I often talk about this. Like, And remember, I'm very specific about not just three movies, just period in general, because I'm sure there's some movie that was made for $5,000 somewhere that's worse. I'm talking about movies that were made with by a big major studio and got a wide release theatrically. I think those are the three worst movies ever made. I don't have them in any particular order. I, I, I really, I mean, like when you get to the point that you're dying of dehydration from excessive and explosive diarrhea from watching a movie. It's all just becomes math after that. How they're, do you watch movies? Oh, they're so bad. Yeah, I'm not. This isn't the Oregon Trail. <laughs> the, 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 Man, the, the Mandalorian, Battlefield Earth was so bad. <laughs> the Catwoman is so bad. Highlander 2 is so bad. I, I cannot rank them in any order. They just are, to me, the three worst big studio wide release films in the history of the industry. And nothing else has gotten it there yet. Nothing else has touched them. They've, those have been my unholy trinity for a really long time. All right, what's next? They spread dysentery. <laughs> From Grogu Campia again, where that there are movies that are so horrendous like Battlefield Earth and Catwoman that they make me want to smash, uh, that they make me want to smash my head into a concrete wall. While there are some so horrendous, they're hilarious. Like The Wicker Man, The Happening, or The Room. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's uh, Vanilla Ice is Cool as Ice. I mean, it's truly, truly a horrendous film, but I have a ball watching it. Because if, if it's if it's so bad that it's like entertaining, then you don't. It's yeah. It becomes something different. Yeah. Mine is Wolf Cop. But these are just <laughs> bad. Like these three movies are just bad. All right, what's next? From Grogu Campia again. Here's how I'd introduce the X Men in the MCU. Professor X made a deal to protect the mutants, and what it did was make people forget they existed. Then have Wanda say mutants instead of no more mutants, which breaks barriers of reality, so they've always been there. Yeah, that hey. was a theory going around for a while that some other people were saying would happen in uh, Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, a lot of people believed. I, I was one of the people that thought that could have happened. Mm -hmm. But for the, ever since it all happened, one of the common theories of people is, well, the, where have the X-Men been? Where have mutants been? that Professor Charles Xavier made the world forget their immunes. Okay, here's the problem with that theory. That Charles Xavier does this thing where he makes everybody in the world forget about mutants. Great. 30 seconds later, some teenager going through puberty in St. Louis, their powers are going to manifest. Okay, now Charles again has to make the whole world forget. One minute after that, some dude, a mutant driving his car 
in Sacramento gets road rage and fires a laser out of his nose at the car across from him. Okay, now Charles has to make the whole world forget again. Literally, Charles Xavier's entire 24-hour existence would be re-mind wiping the entire planet every 30 seconds. And so that kind of takes away from, from that idea. I, I Listen, I was one of the one people that I thought going into Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, that we could have gotten that kind of reversal of things, where instead of Wanda saying no more mutants, saying you know, something to the opposite effect, mutants more or whatever, mutants. <laughs> bringing mutants into existence. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. And so I am yeah. still at a complete loss for how Kevin Feige is going to do it. I'm curious to find out, though. Maybe we'll find out at CinemaCon. Ooh. You know what? That's where we're going to find out. All right, what's next? From TJ the Deadite, <laughs> was counting the seconds till Evil Dead Rise. Saw it, ultimately disappointed. Oh no! How did your girlfriend feel, TJ? Just not scary, honestly. Tragic because the mom was top-notch terrifying and the concept oozes potential, but the second half was a total letdown. 6.5 out of 10, forgettable. It's funny, it, how do you give something a 6.5 when calling it, bring it back up again? He said at the beginning, he calls it um, ultimately disappointed. 6.5. This is his hype levels. This I is think he why means that ultimately I was disappointed, but yeah, I think that's well. See, this is, is why I stopped giving numerical scores to movies. Like a lot of people ask me, like when I review a movie, I don't give it a score because to everybody, scores mean different things. Like to me, a seven out of 10 is solid. It's a C. That, that's three points away from being perfect. Like a seven is solid. So I hear somebody give something a 6.5. Like to me, if you get something at five out of 10, that means you're right on the border of whether you liked it or didn't like it. Well, if you go to a 5.5, okay, so you enjoyed it. You go to a six, okay, you, you enjoyed it at 6.5. Like to me, that's, you had a pretty good time. And, but so I stopped giving numerical scores in movies because I would say something was a seven out of 10. And inevitably, I'd get people writing me, well, it can't be. I hated that movie. Like, yeah. Well, what are you talking about? Because they're looking at it as like a, a score, like, like in school, but then that doesn't make sense because anything no. from, Five down is an F, so why would you bother with a four, three, two, or one? Just give it a five, then it's an F. Yeah, well, if you liked it, you should give it a 10. It's like, well, oh, no. That means it's perfect. I've given like five tens in my life. Out to, I, I don't think any movie, I think I think you shouldn't give more than maybe a dozen tens in your lifetime to a movie, because that means it's like almost perfect. Anyway, but no, um, I, I, I have not seen it yet myself. I'm excited. Ann and I are both going to go watch it tonight, so I kind of can't wait. I'm sorry you didn't have as much of a good time as you were hoping, though, man. That sucks. This is, All right. So that's a girlfriend, so there's that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From Tristan Thorpe. It would have been funny as if his girlfriend ended up liking it more than he did. <laughs> I loved this movie. Thanks, babe. <laughs> Tristan Thorpe says, as a whole season three of Mandalorian was disappointing for me. The writing for some uh, writing for some of the episodes weren't for air for me. It has its moments, but it's not enough for me to say it was a solid season. Yeah, I, I would tend to, do, to agree. Uh, again, it, it, at the end of the day, that entire, I was a defender of that episode with the scientist getting his mind wiped, right? Because I said after we saw that, I said, this is going to become important later in the season. And it turned out it wasn't at all. It was totally pointless. It was only there to build up her. Like, she literally could have snuck into, it, like, opening credits of Mandalorian. Dun, 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 and it picks up with him in his room in the new facility that he's, you know, his, his uh, rehabilitation center. And she comes in and says, hi, neighbor. And he says, hi. And then she pulls out a gun and shoots him in the face. And it would have been the same result. You didn't even need that. There was literally no point. But, but to me, to me, oh, my God, that when it comes to the writing, I will never get over 
It had nothing to do with Lizzo and had nothing to do with Jack Black. The idea that we cracked the case. How? I found a business card to a droid nightclub on this battle droid. What now? Yeah, no pockets, but they found a pocket. Yeah. They, no, but tell me. Wait a second. Say that again because I don't believe you. No, what they're going to have is they're going to find a dead battle. They're going to kill this battle droid and they're going to find a card. They're going to find a card, a business card to a droid nightclub, a droid pub, a droid speakeasy. And that's how they're going to break the entire case open. I would have been like, dude, I, I know we've got a deadline to get this script in, but I think we can come up with something better than that. Oh, oh that just killed me. Yeah, I mean, the issue with, with the, uh, the doctor is that that whole setup would have made sense had she continued him working in a lab for the the new order to accomplish something for them. What, well, meanwhile, he thinks he's working for the new Republic. Yes, but but uh, the first order, I mean. But they didn't go that route. So ultimately, that was it was just to take him out. Yeah, it's just take him off the board. It's like weren't there like a million easier ways to do that anyway? Ah, whatever. What's next? Tristan Thorpe again. I'll also say this much about season three of Mandalorian. I'll still take this over Rise of Skywalker and the Kenobi show. I agree. Kenobi had all the potential, but it wasn't there for me, sadly. And uh, Rise of Skywalker, well, we don't need to go there again. Oh, this, again, that's why I, I emphasize, like, I'll complain about a bunch of things about Mandalorian season three. There was still a bunch of stuff I liked about it. And absolutely, it's miles better than the Rise of Skywalker and significantly better than Kenobi. Um Again, Kenobi was also a series that had some things that I appreciated. That last fight between yeah. Obi-Wan and Vader. I go back and watch that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll skip everything else and I'll just go back and watch that scene. And that fast, scene was fantastic. And then I fast forward the cutaways of her looking around boxes and stuff and I go back to the fight. <laughs> yes. All right, what's next? From A. Marcellus, I wasn't the biggest Next Generation fan. I'm more of an original series and DS9 guy, but I'm happy for the uh, Next Generation fans seeing their favorite characters one last time together. Something I wanted for the sequel trilogy. Mm. Oh, well, at least I can be happy for another fandom. Listen, again, I they Picard season three really should have been called Star Trek The Next Generation season eight. That's, that's what it really was. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I mean, that's the part of that I really thought was the heartbeat and what really made the show work was coming back and revisiting them and seeing the whole crew together again. They, I, I don't know what their problem is with Will Wheaton because Wesley really should have been a part of this show. Yeah. The character Wesley really should have been a part of this show. Maybe he didn't want to be. I don't know. I, I can't, I have a hard time believing that. It's not yeah. like he's, he's not like Ray where he's like the busiest right. person on earth. Yeah. I, I just. Well, I guess he had some role. I haven't seen season three, so I know he was in season two. Briefly. He made one quick appearance. Yeah. yeah. As, as a traveler, but it just, mm -hmm. it, that's one of the things to me that made it feel a little incomplete. It just made it feel a little incomplete. But other than that, they did a, a great job with that part of it. Absolutely. They did. All right. What's next? From Jacob Hirsch. Hey gang, game day. Game day. Jury duty finale is tonight. Yep. Just to clarify from the other day, James Marston plays himself in the show, who is a diva actor sitting on the jury. Oh Again. no, really? Yeah. He plays himself? Yeah, he plays himself. Again, highly recommend you check he's like, it out. He's like, he's like. When he goes in, he's like, with the hat, does anyone recognize me, this and that? That's why I was confused, because I'm like, wouldn't he know that he'd recognize James No, Martin, he's, he's but, in on but the he prank. plays himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. He's in on the but prank. But how would the person who's not in on the prank not realize that was James Marsden? Yeah. Right. But he's supposed he to be himself. playing himself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, you guys have convinced me. I have to check this show I didn't show know out. it was a finale tonight, though. I thought there was two more episodes. No, yeah, I, I thought I read that on Variety, that there was the finale. There, I could be wrong. I thought but... there was eight episodes, but I guess if, if it's tonight, then it's seven episodes. No. All right, what's that, next? You guys remember, maybe it was on uh, on um, Arrested Development. They had like a uh, a, a judge or like a, a court case like show that they're on and judge reinhold was the judge simply because his name was judge oh my god i was i didn't even know if that guy was still alive remember like in the 80s that dude yeah. 80s and early Everywhere. 90s he was in every movie mm -hmm. and then he just kind of disappeared he's in the santa claus franchise he is yeah okay isn't, isn't he the stepdad in yeah that? i think yeah. so oh that's right nice sweater, that's Neil. right yeah <laughs> okay what's next from uh oh we just did that one. Oh. From Harry, read, uh, regarding Amazon's solution for clear dialogue, this has already been a system-wide option on Apple TV for the last five years and works in all apps. You can even ask Siri, what did he, she just say? And it'll rewind 30 seconds and temporarily turn on subtitles. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, first of all, asking what did he just say and having them clarify, that's different from just being able to have the, the volume yeah, of the and dialogue not, at the appropriate level not that you can hear, on, no problem. Yeah, not turning on subtitles, but literally clarifying the audio mix. Yeah, yeah I, I, so I don't know, and I have an Apple TV, and I've, I've, never, I've never even heard of such a function on there, so I don't know if that's the case. I, I'll look at it again, though. Thanks for the info. All right, what's next? From Harry, given the obvious fact that DC has lost the confidence of the movie-going public, which one could argue extends as far back as 2019 with Birds of Prey, do you think that this makes the box office success of the Batman even more impressive in hindsight? Hell yes. 100% yes. I mean, look, we went in, when the Batman was coming out, we warned everybody in advance, right? We talked about this for the months leading up to the Batman's release. The Batman has several huge hurdles in front of it. One of which was the Twilight Boy. I mean, that, that was it. And don't, don't even just giggle. That was a real, real thing that a lot of people got. Oh, they got the Twilight Boy is Batman. Oh my God, right? Because they a lot of people hadn't seen any of the stuff that Robert Pattinson had actually, the brilliant work Robert Pattinson's done in the last like eight years. All they think about is Twilight. And if that's all you ever saw Robert Pattinson in, yeah, I get your apprehension, but that was a major hurdle. One of the other major hurdles was the confusion about, well, wait a minute, I thought this guy was Batman. I thought, that, what's going on with Batman? The other thing was the general perception of the DC universe. The fact that that movie, facing all of those hurdles and not being family-friendly and being as dark as it is, and Ray, maybe you can get the final box office number of that, but I believe the Batman, Matt Reeves' The Batman, ended up in the seven, I believe it ended up with over 700 million at the box office. Like when you can, so close to 800 million at the box office with regardless of all those hurdles, you're a hundred percent right. That makes the, the accomplishment of that movie all the more impressive. And uh, let's see what happens with flash. Let's see what happens with flash. All right. What's next? Oh, that was it. That was it. All right, guys. Well, listen, That'll do it for today's installment of the John Campia show. And that'll do it for this week's of shows. And don't forget next week is going to be amazing. We are going to be at CinemaCon uh, next week. We're going to be streaming every day, not our regular John Campia show at 1030 in the morning, but we're going to be stream doing big live streams every day. S some days, two day, two a day. We're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about universal's presentation, Disney's presentation, Warner brothers presentation. We're going to be talking about the flash joyride boogeyman, whatever that surprise screening that Warner brothers is going to be doing. If they're doing a surprise screening, 
I really do hope it's Blue Beetle. Uh, <laughs> lots and lots of stuff coming up this uh, this coming week. We hope you guys will join us then. I want to thank everybody in the room here. I want to thank Ray, uh, Jen's back there, Jonathan running the show, Chris Carr. Guys, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to those of you who sent in those tip questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. So guys, that'll do it for us for now. My name's John Campion. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>